previously on Martini John. And a very good point there, Dan. And I just want to take a quick second. Uh, I know we're talking about Saturday Night Fever, but on Staying Alive, there is a song <laughs> that Frank Stallone wrote called Look Out for Number One. And if I could just read the first, these are the lyrics. You got to work a little harder than the next guy. Be a little smarter if you want to survive. You've got to move a little faster than the last time. Know just what you're after and never look behind. You got to look out for number one. Set your sights to the stars and the sun. Look out for number one. You got to push a little harder, push a little harder. Yeah. And it goes on. But those right there, those really are inspirational. I I believe those were written by Donald Trump. Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 75, which is True Stories from 1986, directed by David Byrne. Yes, the David Byrne from The Talking Heads. Not only is this a very special movie, because it was uh, one of the only films that David Byrne ever directed and is a fantastic film that I have seen many, many times. And so has Eric. Loves this film. But what makes it extra special is that this is a true unicorn. Yes, a movie that Dan Thrawn had never seen before until he was made to watch it for the podcast. We have done a couple of these. We did A Clockwork Orange with me like a couple of years ago. And then uh, Eric Sheely uh, had never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We did that one. But this one is special. Now, it does take a lot of effort to find a movie that, Eric, uh, that Dan has never seen, at least a notable film, especially this one. Uh, so you will just going to have to wait and find out what Dan thinks of this. Now, I know that my wife said she doesn't want to listen to this episode because she's worried that Dan's not going to like it, but uh, I would urge you to listen to it because it's a it's a good one. Don't worry. It's a really good one. It'll be uh, You will be happily surprised. Uh, and if you haven't seen True Stories, recommend it highly. We don't get into the complete details of it in the in the podcast so you can it's not one of those things where you can skip it and just listen to it but i would uh i would i would highly recommend you listen to it uh to watch the movie before you do that okay uh, a couple things i would like to do a couple announcements so normally as you guys know we do all of our recordings now on twitch and we are putting them out uh, every Saturday. This Saturday, we are not going to be able to do a recording because Dan and I are actually going to be shooting a, uh, uh, a have a shoot day on Saturday together. So we're not going to be doing that on this Saturday, the 18th of September. But on the 25th of September is our next uh, 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 Saturday. We will actually be doing a show there. And I think, I believe so far the plan is to do Badlands and uh, Buffalo 66, which we have talked about on the podcast at length at certain points in time, and that will be very exciting. Also, to go with the theme of this particular podcast, I have never seen Buffalo 66, so I'm excited to talk about that. I definitely have seen Badlands several times. All right. Um, also, just want to let you guys know if uh, you know to reach out to us. If you guys have suggestions of movies that you guys want to see, and we've gotten some great ones, and we've been trying to put those out there, let us know. Uh, podcast at martinigiant.com is our email, and our Twitter is at martinigiant. But I would really, you know, just let us know what you have in mind. Also, if you have a suggestion just generally about the podcast or the website or some ideas or anything you guys can think of, we would love to hear them. But besides that, enjoy this one. Episode number 75, 
True Stories. I pulled from my library. Library? Library. Library. How did I say it wrong? You said library. Well, nobody's perfect, Chris. As long as no one says scallop, then there's no fights. Scallop. No, no, wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. So I pulled from the scallop. place where my books are. Those are potatoes, scallop potatoes. On Cape Cod, it is scallop. But it's and, scallop and that's where you, potatoes. And that's where you get them. <laughs> scallop potatoes, that's totally fine. But you eat from the sea in Chatham a scallop. You swallow a scallop. You scallop potatoes. <laughs> that's right. That's a, that. That's I believe it's pronounced scalpel. Scalpel. <laughs> scalpel. Scalpel. Okay. Uh, the, the the one that the only one that actually gets me. The only thing that 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 makes me twinge every single time is when people say nuclear, which is so hard to say. Like I'm, I'm surprised that people say it wrong. Like that's like because nu- nuclear is nuclear. Nu- it's super. It rolls right off the tongue. Nuclear, right? Nuclear. But, but nuclear is like when you add extra syllables to a mispronounced word, it's like my brain freaks out. That's the only thing. Well, I'm not gonna say that, but it's one of the few things I'm extremely judgmental about. <laughs> First of all, we don't welcome Jay. This is not wasn't Jason. It's Jay who joined and uh, subscribed to us for six months. So Jay, okay. you're new to Twitch. You just said, "Wow, nice, nice, nice." nice. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, you know, how did you hear about the podcast? Let us know how you think about it, and thank you for subscribing. As someone who is new. Uh, you're new to Twitch. Are you new to the podcast? <laughs> That's what I want to know as well. Um, and also, uh, I chat uh, back and forth with Jay on Twitter, I believe, uh, fairly often. If I, if all I right. That right. Uh, but <clears throat> also, uh, Jay, uh, because you subscribed, uh, oh, okay, great. Because you subscribed, uh, he's basically for those listening, Jay just said that he has a uh, been a longtime CG Garage and Martini Giant listener and a V Ray user. Nice. I'm wearing a V Ray shirt today, which is uh, just coincidental, by the way. Um, but uh, I I would like to uh, say that Jay, thanks because you uh, subscribed. Uh, Eric does drawings, as you may know, since you are a Martini Giant listener, does drawings while we talk and sketches, and they're quite nice. And he will be. Uh, mailing one of them to you uh, at any uh, after we're done with the podcast. So he will put it in the mail. So for you to receive the drawing, and there may be a couple of choices that he will show you on Twitch, uh, for you to receive the drawing, uh, what you're required to do is to uh, send us your uh, mailing address, your physical mailing address, uh, and we will drop it in the mail for you. And the place, to, the best place to uh, do that is at podcast at martinigiant.com. Uh, and that's where you'll be able to do that. And we really thank you for your support. Uh, again, that's podcast at martinigiant.com. Uh, all right. Awesome. We are, a couple more people will start joining soon. So we're not going to jump right into true stories. No, this is just, just the, this is the ramp up section of the show. The ramp up. This section. is and actually we've been away for a while. That's right. We had two weeks. We I've been away for two weeks. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to go on my shark trip last two weeks ago, and I didn't wasn't able to go because my uh our our uh, fishing guide was exposed to COVID. Uh and uh that sucks. Um, and what's interesting, if I can just pipe in, and I'm sorry, Chris. Mm-hmm. Chris had a fishing trip 
and it had to be canceled is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. and, but you still had that weekend off, so you just decided to go to rehab. It's right. so good, though. It's so Yeah, good. it's right. just like I have all this time off. You take the steps. Well, I went to I'm Malibu. Just gonna do it. I'm just yeah, going to do it. And yeah. just, just hung out with right. uh, me and uh, um, what's his name? The guy from Two and a Half Men. <laughs> yeah, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I I would pay to see a live stream of you guys hanging out. I think Me that and Charlie Sheen. Yeah, you fishing. And, you and Charlie Fish, Sheen flying fishing, Malibu, uh, fishing. in Malibu would be yeah. the greatest live stream you could possibly have. It'd be so, so great yeah. if you, we can get him somehow fishing with Charlie. <laughs> fishing with Charlie. Fishing with Charles. Yes, that'd be a lovely uh, idea. I would. Subscribe. I don't think yes. cocaine and fly fishing is a good mixture. I think all I'm going to say. I think he's clean and he's one with the lord i don't know if he's one with the lord but i believe he's clean now and he's uh, yes he's uh he is. He's straight up and flying right uh right. looking for the comeback well he'll soon be flying all right with the fly fishing yeah mm -hmm. flying right straighten up fly right straight up right. And fly right that's nice. right with charlie sheen that's right i think that's good Char with charlie sheen man Can't charlie beat that. Sheen. where's charlie living now do you think malibu well, well he was he was he living with um oh gosh was he living he was living with some weird porn actress wasn't he that, well that was yeah, I think the, so. the tiger thing what was it tiger blood is yeah. that what he was talking about Tiger blood yeah i believe those days hopefully are gone for mr sheen i was actually i was just re-watching um uh uh what do you call it ferris bueller's day off which we've covered on the show and uh -huh. he is one of the top three funniest things in that movie no one credits him but oh yeah he is tip top tip top tip top man oh man when he, yeah, just he nails that up, character Drugs. <laughs> drugs come on we love charlie we love charlie on the show we'll have him on the show with fly fishing oh. we're gonna roll right out oh i'm saying i hate that i'm gonna i'm gonna totally use this segue i'm sorry i'm gonna get yeah. right into this that uh ferris bueller's day off was a movie that er a very popular movie that eric sheely had never seen until we made him watch this it is an it. excellent segue i got right am, I, right am I correct on that that's beautiful yep. yes yes that's right and then there was another one which was a movie that i had never seen and a i was saving orange. which was yep. a clockwork orange right and, and today today we're going to be talking about true stories complete Yes. True stories, which is not necessarily a popular movie such as Clockwork Orange or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. But, but I have not seen it. You had not yes. seen it. And it seems to me that this is a movie that you really should have seen. It's kind of shocking. I'm shocked that I had not seen this. Right. Because every time you bring it, you brought it up many, many times. Many times. I've seen time it many times. I've seen this movie like dan thron number of times yes you know? yeah which is an actual number just passed. i was going to point this out earlier i pulled from my collection of books <laughs> it's true man here we go true stories look at that look at that this is from 1986 it's the original publication that's and incredible it's, yep that's, and it's all the storyboards that's all, wild that's wild it, and it's literally all the drawings set designs yeah um, them on set that's incredible. That may yeah. be the most rare, weird and, bit of film. And I literally pulled out this, some sort of thing from New York. I don't know what it is, but it's it's Two cool. Stories. It's a little time capsule inside a book. That's I have all of them. I have pictures of my, because you can see my book collection. I have doubled this in boxes, but I all my old art books, I put old photos of myself or people I knew or girlfriends in them, just little pictures or um, postcards or something. Right. So right. in every one you open it up, you're like, oh wait, but this yes, is this is yeah. a total time capsule, I, and it's behind I, the scenes. I think you may be one of the 
few people in all of California that own that book. That's, no, I don't know about that. No, that'd be true. Yeah, You're not in California right now, but you know. But guess who? Yeah, I moved out. But um, the thing is, the the photos, so everybody knows, this is from 1986. Which is when the movie was made. Yeah, William Eggleston. Look at that, dude. And Yikes. David Byrne. Yeah. Mark Lipson. This is like... That's That's yeah, incredible. there's some really beautiful graphics. And I was going through this while watching, like, man, I totally... It's great. So, so awesome. But what's also cool about this movie is <clears> that <throat> not only is, could it be part of the series of shocking movies that one of our hosts has never seen, but it could also be part of our Chris's personal love of Texas. Texas. Movies. I was going to make. say exactly the same. Why is that? Your this is part of our Texas Texas, uh, Texas trilogy now. Yes, what, why is that? What? You love Texas. You, you were born there, but you went to school there for many, many yeah. years. Yeah, and I think what happened is um, when I got there, I'm like, I don't get it. And then oh, really? my well, a little bit, a little bit, and then I was surrounded by a bunch of people from the Northeast that went to Rice University. And there was a couple people that were Texans that were also in our, keep in mind, the, 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 the architecture school that I went to at Rice was only 14 people were accepted into my class. It's very, very small. Yeah, it's, pretty it's pretty much like a casting us for a big brother, you know, thing basically. But, but Keith was one of the guys was there and he was older than me, but he was also from, from Houston, but it also lived in New York. He lived actually on Christopher street. So he lived way down there. By me, uh, I lived yeah, off a of I know he lives right next. Uh, probably, you guys are, might have been neighbors, <laughs> believe it or not. Mm. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he sort of introduced me to Texas, and then also introduced me to Texas movies, including this one and Paris, Texas, yeah, and Paris, Texas as well. Paris, Slacker, Slacker. Uh, I was going to bring Slacker up. Sla yeah. Slacker. No, uh, what's the Dazed and Confused was another Dazed good one. And confused, uh, mm -hmm. Slacker for sure. Slacker. Uh, yeah. Other movies that this like this. And are we starting now? I don't want to know if we want to talk about it. We yet. can, like, we can go into it. Let's go okay, into so it. Like, well, it still is part of the preamble. Right. Like, I have never been. I've never been to Texas, uh, but I love the shit out of westerns, and so yeah. I have a, I have multiple Texases in my mind now. And, Most of uh, them are New Mexico, and if you're yeah, talking, yeah, true. And they're different than Texas. No, but they're like the real Texan Texan stuff, like uh, uh, Streets of Streets of Laredo, and uh, you know uh, Larry McMurtry stuff, like Texasville, and which is uh, not a western, but it's a sequel to uh, True Blood, uh, Lonesome Dove. Uh, yeah, and Lonesome Dove, uh, which is my one of my two or three favorite books of all time. And uh, like, so there's there, there's a picture I have in Texas of Texas in in those terms, uh, right. Uh, which is a romantic cowboy Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Then there is uh, uh, the picture drawn by 80s television and 90s television, uh, which is like Larry Hagman, Texas, like a uh, big Dallas. rich oil douchebag, Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, but then there, uh, and then, then there is also uh, the film festival, Texas, which is Austin, right? And the Austin music scene, which is an, an entirely different group. But mm -hmm. the stuff we're talking about today that is definitely Paris, Texas, it's definitely true stories. Mm -hmm. uh, it, there will and, be blood, giant. Uh, giant, definitely. Uh, Bottle Rocket is part of this group. Yes, Bottle Rocket uh, would totally be part Rushmore. of it. Rushmore and, would be uh, part Rushmore of it. Rushmore is part of this. Mm -hmm. And like I didn't, it didn't really coalesce for me until I saw True Stories. And I was like, David Byrne sounds like a really 
uh, mild Owen Wilson. He it is. And I was just like, this is really weird. This is suddenly like now, like all these things just sort of lit up in my mind. All these movies got connected via true stories in terms of tone that I loved that I never really recognized also, as being part of the set. When you watch it again, I really kind of was like, wait, this is like waiting for Guffman. There was a lot of that tone <laughs> yeah, that's right. of that's picking true. up the, the awkward or just kind of the uh, small town Americana quirkiness. Right. Um, right. Played as real, you know, yeah. like just kind of, it was really kind of fun. Yeah. No, it's really the tonally, this is a very, this was a real, this is a watershed moment for me in watching movies because I didn't realize that I had a love for a for a genre because I didn't know the genre existed, but mm-hmm. it is the true stories, Paris, Texas genre. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, which is absolutely unique. And I, you could almost put, you, you could almost put true romance, not true romance, um, uh, uh, wild at heart in here. Wild at heart. I would definitely say wild at heart. In fact, I was also going to bring up David Lynch. We can wait on that, but David Lynch is definitely part of the conversation today for yes. sure, for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, so this is, I want to, I want to thank you guys, Chris in particular, because you've been telling me to see this for so long. Like, I, I really enjoyed the movie. It was, I thought it was, it's, it's a very sweet, uh, very. Uh, oh, it's the sweetest movie. It's, it's a very sweet movie. And I really enjoyed it. Right. Um, and so I recommend it off the bat. I, and that, I think, you know, it's not, a, uh, not, a, not to diminish it when I, when we say it's a sweet movie, because I still think it's a very important movie. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but oh, hang on. I got to clear some cats out of my room. One second. <laughs> my, uh, our cat had uh, 10 kittens. Oh my God. And so now, here, I'm going to put one on the webcam. We have a lot of kittens. If anyone wants a martini oh. giant kitten, we have martini giant kittens. <laughs> yeah, now, there we are. I don't know if there's more. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> awesome, Texan. Tell, them what, uh, tell me when they get hoagie-sized. So that... <laughs> yeah, we will be offering up kittens for free. Yes, there's, uh, I, they're adorable kittens. Adorable kittens, but there are a lot of kittens. Mm-hmm. A bushel of kittens. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the, um, that, uh, this hasn't happened to me for a long time because like I watch a zillion movies, right. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm, I feel very much in the groove on like what certain, even really weird genres are. And it's strange to realize that I've fallen in love with something even before I saw it. Like, I was just like, oh shit, this is a thing. And I, and it recognized a part of myself in this movie that uh, right. was unexpected. Well, I'm glad to hear that because honestly, I told Karen, I said, well, this is a movie that Dan hasn't seen. She goes, Oh no, fuck no. I'm not going to listen to your podcast now. I said, Why? <laughs> and goes, it's like, I don't want him to ruin this movie for me because this movie is, she loves it. Obviously she's, Why, how would I ruin this movie? Because never, never she may think movie. that you're not going to like part of it or going to say something that's going to disparage Out of it, the three of us, the chances of me not liking a movie have got to be the lowest. The like, lowest. I, 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 like anyone who is new to this podcast, let me warn you right now. I have the worst taste of all three of us because I will defend almost anything. But that said, you will like this movie. <laughs> this is an right. extremely likable movie, and I'm not going to do anything to hurt uh, its image in Karen's mind. I promise. I absolutely promise that. Yes. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, <laughs> that is true, though. You do like movies that that really should not be liked. Dude, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm glad that no one's uh, stopped me from uh, tweeting about Tenet so much. Like, I mean, there it is. Right there. Hey, uh, or, 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 or Miami Vice. <laughs> or Miami um, Vice. So, uh, 
just to, just did you did you post on Twitter that we were started? By the way, I did. Yes. Okay. Right. I did, and on the F book, on the F book, that's how they say it, right? The F book. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I know that. Uh, yeah. There we go. Yep. We are we are posted. We are fully posted. All right. Uh, okay. So, um, uh, there anything else logistically that we have to talk about before we get into this? In this movie now eric when did you see this movie uh in the 80s and in then the... i i re-saw it again videotape and that's the last time in the 90s right so still... i know the last time i saw it was a video tape like a as a video yeah uh would you out, he, out in la how let me know what you think about this statement this doesn't feel like an 80s movie this feels like a 90s movie this feels it feels like a '90s movie. It is definitely ahead of its time. Yep. It definitely is. Uh, yeah, it doesn't age like other movies. There was something so beautiful and unique about it that you couldn't. It's hard to place it. Right. Um, but it definitely. You're right. It doesn't feel '80s. Yeah. Even though, and also think about it. He made this pretty much after Stop Making Sense. He, those right. guys yeah. were the king of the world at that time. Oh, yeah. Talking heads were huge. The they were still together, Definitely. so it's pretty amazing that he pulled this off and made it so unique. Um, yep. And I'll be honest, he kind of. You look at this book, and I'll pull stuff up. This is like Tim Burton before Tim Burton, right. to be honest with you, because there's some stuff in here when you go through this, and I'll just pull it up, and we'll keep talking. But is David Byrne from Texas? No, he's Scottish, I think. He's Scottish. Is, is that yeah, true? I think he was from Scotland. Yeah. That's wild. Wild. So he look at right in there. Look at that. Oh yeah. Yeah, look at that. That's hysterical. Yeah, from the uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from the the, the, uh, the, the fashion show. Yeah. Well, the fashion show totally looks like a David Byrne fashion show. Yes, yeah, because yeah. I think his girlfriend. Now, here's the connection. I'm almost positive and I will look it up. But his girlfriend was a clothing designer, mm -hmm. and I think she was the girl in Beetlejuice. She's Asian or half Japanese, mm -hmm. and she's in Beetlejuice at the dinner scene. Oh, oh yeah, right. Yes, yeah, right, 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 right. I can. I'm. I'm guessing, but I want to just look that up. But I think so. I think she, possibly she did the coast costumes. Let's look this up. But yes, yeah. the, the brick wall. Uh, the brick wall dresses were great. It's the same person, I believe, that did his big costume for Stop Making Sense. Right. Yeah. The enormous, the enormous suit. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good stuff for sure. Yeah. The because uh, like the because uh, this this movie has a uh, I don't think we've covered it on the show, but you guys know I love Steven Soderbergh's uh, Schizopolis. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and this feels very Schizopolisy, and it's ten years before Schizopolis. Schizopolis is ninety six. Look and at I that. Think, is that not yeah, the dinner yeah, scene yeah. in Beetlejuice? Oh, yeah. No, it's still totally the same thing. Yeah, this falling. But this is. Yeah. Come on, baby. Yeah, yeah. No, it's true. It's true. But this is uh, David Byrne's uh, directorial debut. And he uh, wrote it, too. He wrote it as well. And uh, and I feel like, because he's gone on to direct, I don't know if he's directed any of their films, but he's gone on to direct some very big stage things that are very well received. Mm -hmm. uh, he's continued, obviously, down his music career, which is amazing. Um, uh, but this made me feel like I he should have made more movies. Like, I think mm -hmm. that he was onto something. And uh, if he had honed his act yet further, then he would have um, followed a sort of Coen Brothers-y 
zone mm-hmm. um, because I think that he is he actually I think that he ended up I suspect he that a lot of people who are later filmmakers saw this and cribbed from it like I probably think that, I think that there's a lot of influence on um, uh, on 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 the, I think the Coen brothers saw this I think they were influenced by it I think that Errol Morris saw this and was influenced yeah. by it yeah um, I think that the like uh, David Lynch to an extent even because like, yeah. I was like I think that uh, this what, Rushmore it, guy what's his name uh, uh, Wes Anderson for Wes sure. Anderson definitely was influenced by this yeah like and I think that this is a weird little keystone film for a lot of that wave of directors what um, I think is absolutely brilliant about it is that. First of all, let's go into this a little bit. Just talk a little Before loosely about it. Before we start, yeah. I just want one question for you because it's relevant to you, Chris. Before I before I, I say anything, I'd like to say something. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Before Eric. we start talking mass speech. There is an enormous amount over my lifetime. You know, my sister's an architect and some yeah, of my close yeah, friends. I was going to get into again. that too, but go ahead. But the, I can't tell you how many architects I know over my life that – Absolutely love the talking heads and David Byrne. And yeah. I got us, I reminded me when he was standing in front of that boxy building and the, his, when he was talking, well, yeah. the, 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 and the, I want to know from you eventually during this podcast, like, why is that, that architects love? Well, yeah, this is, this is de- def- de- definitely architects love this movie and it's clear in this movie why mm-hmm. he finds, okay. So, Let's 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 get just. I don't know, Jay, if you've seen this movie or not, uh, but um, it's it's uh, it's a really uh, a great movie if you haven't seen it. But um, we're going to get into it anyway. But basically, it, it's a story of a guy who goes into a small town in Texas, and probably West Texas is my guess in in terms of where the geography is. Um, the thing that is a, the underlying message in this movie uh, is uh, the underlying message is that there's beauty in everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without that, <laughs> right? Without that, yeah. And there's beauty in 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 landscape that is des- desolate. There's beauty in buildings that are boxes. There's beauty in people that are plain. Virgil. There's there's Virgil, Texas. Virgil, Texas. So, uh, but, and what is There's fantastic. And strangeness in the ordinary, right? The stra- and so really it's David Byrne who, who comes into town and is exploring the town and uh, talking to the people. And uh, they are going to, uh, this town of Virgil is going to celebrate the sesquint, what's it called? Yeah, 150 the years. The Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Right. <laughs> the Sasquatch uh, Tennial. <laughs> right. Uh, and and basically the town is going to have a, a special celebration and he's going to be uh, observing and, and celebrating with them the, this, this specialness. Uh, the the celebration think, the, of specialness is better. The that. celebration of specialness. Yes. yes. <laughs> you have to pronounce it that way. Specialness. specialness. <laughs> right. And and what uh, I'll, 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 you know, there are, the other thing I love about this movie is there are no villains at all. Yeah, none. Everyone is a wonderful person, <laughs> yeah, they, they, and they're all, all talking about they're all things. talking about all the things around them that are special, right. right? 
and they break out into song constantly because let no let me make bones about it this is a musical oh, definitely it's a talking heads musical it's a talking that's, that's heads musical <laughs> yeah like, and other members uh, of the talking heads are in this movie un seemingly uncredited <laughs> like they right. show up on stage yeah, yeah. And it's all talking heads songs sung by people who can't sing which is interesting like yeah no, nothing, no one in this movie is a good singer and only david burns sings like maybe one line of one song yeah anyway, well, john goodman is good. pretty good yeah yeah no yeah john goodman's okay that's true i mean like he's uh he's singing a song that i usually hear david burns sing so he's right. not as good as david burn and no. to, and uh and to be and to credit david burn actually you do hear all of one song sung by david burn performed right. physically by about 35 people uh, yes so lip -synced. it's very, very lip-synced it's exactly mm -hmm. uh, but it is not so it is a fully talking heads musical experience without the talking heads and without centering on david Byrne. yeah so it's very diffuse in a strange way but yeah yep. it's, uh, like it it lends that it's his stardust memories it's stardust where he's probably the most famous at that time right yeah that's true that's true because we can say that if you want to see one of maybe the top two music documentaries stop making sense is with jonathan demi pretty much it yeah. <laughs> yeah i saw that again when it was re-released in theaters mm -hmm. and we went to go see it again in theaters yeah and we were sitting there watching it and about 20 minutes into it everyone sort of looked around it's like what the fuck are we doing and everyone jumped up out of their seats in the theaters and got up on the stage next to the screen yeah. in the movie theater and started dancing. It's yeah. like that's, that's really strange you say that because I was taken in New York City on 57th Street when it first came out in the 80s, like 80, whenever it was, 84, with a guy who I grew up with, I've known for my, since I was a child, who became an architect. He teaches architecture at Yale now. And we literally went and everyone was dancing in the aisle. Right, that's beautiful. Literally, that's beautiful. Yeah. and I was like, "This is the greatest rock, I mean, uh, music uh, uh, doc I've ever seen in my life." Yeah, John, well, Jonathan Demi is incredible. Talking Heads are incredible, and I think that like Demi, like De Demi only like he made Silence of the Lambs, which is one of the greatest films of all time. Like all of Demi's movies are all over the place in terms of like what the subjects are, the kinds of movies they are, whatever it is. So it's like his filmography is like kind of spotty, but there's a a a, a uh, uh, what's the word? A an empathy that comes through uh, in all of his films that is what makes them work so well. And uh, when you aim that at David Byrne, who you can see in True Stories is an insanely empathic person. Uh, like it, it's like this uh, unbelievable emotional ride to watch that to watch Stop Making Sense. And so I didn't really. I, I felt like this. This movie, True Stories, gave me a picture of David Byrne that I didn't have before. And it made me understand other stuff better because of it. Because, like, Byrne's whole demeanor as he's driving through the town and talking to the camera, like, that's the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. And it's, I'm like, why haven't I seen more of this? Like, I want to say, I want like a, I want like a, a, like a YouTube show that is this. I love the way it goes from like a natural daylight exterior of the car going to, to rear projection. It's so great. So, mm, I also love how he has there's a there's a part when he's driving on the freeway and his steering wheel is completely it's detached really from the car, yeah. and he's so like. Good. Woo! <laughs> but yeah no i think that like it, it is the architecture point you make is really interesting just because like i there uh like there's i think that certain kinds of folks gravitate towards certain to certain kinds of music in terms of professions 
like I guess you know like mathematicians listen to a lot of uh, like Slipknot, which is really weird. Uh, really? In, yeah, like um, mathematicians and uh, and game programmers. I, uh, like uh, I've seen a lot of Slipknot game program programmers, for instance, what? which is really weird. But it's interesting. And um, and David Byrne's music is so like I don't like it's like I can I can see what the metaphor is for like uh, someone who's uh, doing heavy math, for instance. Like listening to Slipknot, it's such noisy music that it clears that noise out. Yeah, right. It's sort of like it takes care of being noisy for you. In the so big you, short, wasn't he listening to yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's sort of like it. Uh, and a friend of mine who is autistic also says that this is true. Like he listened to a lot of Slipknot. Says that it's like this sort of focuses my mind towards the task better than uh, than other things. Um, but like, wasn't so that part of the plot of Baby Driver? That's part of the plot of Baby Driver, for instance. Exactly. And but like when uh, when you say that uh, architects listen to uh uh talking, talking heads. heads like i'm like what is going on there like that's really fascinating to me and i'm not sure what that connection is as you're an architect chris mm -hmm. <laughs> like what do you see in this that connects to this movie what is what's the through line well I, I don't know if the talking head specifically has anything to do with architecture but i definitely see that obviously obviously david byrne has a fascination of architecture right. because he talks about it extensively in this film right, right? and he talks about modern the modernization and these are conversations that we would have in architecture all the time right when he makes the conversation about the giant freeway overpasses which by the way if you're traveling through houston mm -hmm. those overpasses make the ones in la feel rinky dink let's just no put it that way shit oh boy That's okay wild. they are tall yeah. like you're 30, 30 stories in the air That's, on some of these things. So you just to, to quickly, because when you say that, one of the albums that was somebody gave me, the same guy that took me to see Stop Making Sense, he actually saw the tour in Pittsburgh, but that's one of his favorite albums. The second uh, Talking Heads album is about more songs about food and architecture. Uh, yeah, more, more songs food. about buildings and food. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, great, great album. Great album. Yeah, that's spectacular. Like the, because. Uh, yeah, like I, I feel like because when David Byrne talks about architecture in the movie, like he, he just like he's you know, he talks about the overpasses or he talks about the uh, the giant sort of warehouse buildings. He goes because though it's really nice is you don't even need an architect here. Like you can just buy these. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a Mies van der Rohe statement, which is a very specific statement he's making mm -hmm. about things. Um, Who is Mies van der Rohe? Mies van der Rohe? Uh, yeah. uh, my, he's Mies probably Rohe, one of the most famous yeah, architects out there. My sister's I, I, I favorite. She always talks about Mies, but yes. Yeah, Mies van der Rohe is a very, very famous architect. Well, what is uh, the statement that he's making? Hold on a second. Uh, let, me, let me see if I can do this. I'm trying to put this into our chat here. Here's a, here's a, a picture of a uh, freeway. Um, just look at that. Mies van der Rohe is the the father of modernism in a lot of ways, and so he created the 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 minimalist myth, metal building, middle metal building in some ways. Oh right, okay. right. So uh, the the Barcelona uh, Pavilion is obviously one of his most famous things, et cetera, et cetera. But his point was basically about architecture being about me uh, metal, <laughs> minimalist right. metal, right? And the ultimate, what he says basically is the ultimate symbol of architecture uh, uh, is um, is going to be uh, 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 
the metal building. And right. what he says in the movie is, but in Texas, you can just order your metal building off the shelf. They'll put it up for you, no problem. And he's basically right. showing these these you know warehouses, these pop up warehouses, right, 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 which is a valid point. Right. But then he also refers to, and I mentioned earlier, the the overpasses as mm -hmm. the new cathedrals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, that this was is, the I great this comment. Really interesting, right? Yeah. And so, like, we, there's like his tone, in, in everything that he talks about is very sort of like, huh, that's interesting. Like yeah. he's not he's not judgmental in the way that he's casting no. any of this stuff, and like uh, and when he said the line about cathedral, uh, cathedrals, the overpasses, like I have actually thought that when I've gone through the like the the main nest of overpasses in L.A., like when you when you drive right underneath that thing, it really is sort of spectacular to me. Like I'm just like, right. what a strange object this is. Like right. it's so goddamn huge and cur and curving and strange. And they're like it's it's beautiful, without any intention of beauty at all. Like there's right. no design there to make. It I don't this. I don't think. I think there is an intention of attention to beauty, mm -hmm. but obviously functionality as well is really practical. Yeah, it's just like yeah, this I, is here because I, we need it to be here. Right? Yeah, yeah. But there's so when you go up on one of those overpasses and you're like, you know, that high up in the air, it's kind of awesome in the true sense of awesomeness like right. holy crap <laughs> you feel like you're flying yeah yeah because like it's like in um in san diego when you uh, you drive out of the city towards the army base there uh like there's that huge arcing bridge they have and it's so high and so thin it feels surreal like it feels right. utterly bizarre and uh and it's these and and i think that like it's it's interesting that he points out like this is the the beauty in the ordinary thing that you're talking about it's like he constantly points out in this movie just like look at this thing that we sort of brush off as ugly and mm. sit with it for a second until it becomes beautiful you know try and get rid of the trash in your mind surrounding the thing and see if you can see the thing at the heart of the thing right and i think that's really that's really kind of nice because like there's a there's actually there's a tracking shot or a, a, a truck right in the movie that uh that i really really liked which starts in a bunch of houses and yeah. it keeps on trucking right and trucking right and trucking right until it goes out to a sort of like a just shitty open field, like where the houses yeah. have not even built. And like, it's like in with, trash, with trash flying on it, with trash flying on it. Right. And it's all this like trash hitting trees and, all, and just blowing out into this, this big yeah. open, open field. And like there, the, if anyone's seen the uh, Werner Herzog movie, Fata Morgana, there is an identical shot uh, only in, uh, uh, in the Middle East. Huh. Uh, and it is it's stunning and i was just like oh shit this is the american version of that experience like it's right. the same shot it's an, it's really really gorgeous and so like oh. yeah it's it's finding that that moment where you just go that's incredibly beautiful even though what i'm looking at is literal trash blowing through the streets yeah it's, uh, it's stunning i uh, i i also want to uh say hi to jesus longtime listener oh nice yes come around the podcast so welcome Excellent. back uh, who sent a bunch of links to uh over uh, overpasses uh, nice. uh, as well um uh, five interchange yep 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 that's okay so 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 basically uh there is he makes that's one of the things uh, uh, as well that he makes a lot of commentary in this movie uh, about the world around him and finding beauty in the things around him, uh, which is wonderful in a lot of ways. Like a lot of people would be very disparaging of the modern mall. And he refers to it as 
the wonderful place of community that people yeah, it's come the new together. Town, it's the Newtown Center. It's, new it's Newtown Center where people come and discover their dreams. Yeah. Isn't this great? All, isn't it? <laughs> Like, yes. That's just stone. It's like, isn't this always oh, this great? Look at that yeah. over there. You know? yeah. Look <laughs> at those two guys, the two guys at the newsstand that are like obviously very quirky and and and, and nerdy, laughing about the, these articles they're reading. Right. Which right, is right. really great. Yeah. Also, this thing is very body positive, shall we say? Mm-hmm. A yes. lot of different body shapes that are awkward yep, and right. not in films normally yep. that are being it, celebrated for being fun and enjoying life. And and Goodman, uh, John, we haven't mentioned it, but John Goodman stars in this thing as well. Yes. Younger John Goodman. Well, he's the, he's, he is the, the driving force that connects us. It's really the yep. story of John Goodman that's you're going through and you're yes. witnessing through uh, David Byrne's narration. Yeah, like, yeah, David Byrne, like what's it like, I don't know if this is on purpose, but like David Byrne is the, is the Virgil uh, taking him through the journey. Like mm-hmm. and it takes place in Virgil, Texas. Is, right. Is, like maybe that's a random thing, but like the, <laughs> but the, the, David Byrne is just sort of like, you know, like let's, let's walk along with this guy and see yeah. his, what happens in his life. And, uh, and I love Goodman's speech when Goodman is looking for love, right? And when he says, uh, I am a very, I, I'm, I, what is it? I'm very consistently uh, panda bear shaped. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I was like, I'm with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was lovely. That was very lovely. So the other thing that's interesting about it is that the, he, he uh, at the beginning of the movie, he goes through a story of Texas. Mm-hmm. Very, very fast synopsis of the history story. of Texas. Yeah, it's a great little short film all on its own. Yeah, exactly. Short film, uh, just synopsis of, you know, we went from here and to the there and then the Mexicans and the this and the that, but, 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 and now, you know, Texas Instruments is here and now it's the new, you know, uh, tech, high technology of the future. And we're here in Virgil, which is uh, sort of funded by this company called the, the Veracorp Corporation. Yeah, is that right? Right. And so then we like, okay, this is going to be the evil corporate overlords. Nope. (laughs) Nope. They just make microprocessors. That's right. And everyone all, and the whole, and all the cast of characters that we meet throughout this movie, they all work on the assembly line at this corporation. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because like everything is given, uh, and even that the documentary portion of, of front, like his narration gives equal moral weight to everything. Like, that's right. no, like instead of saying like here's the good guys and then the bad guys came in or like the americans were doing this and then they were were, were all cruel and horrible people right. you know you just like no this these are here are things that that happened right and they happened here and he and speaks they're, specifically they're like all the native americans and their fights because like oh, and they're all fighting amongst each other and these people yeah. were killing these people and, and these guys always these guys. fought with everybody <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's right. you know and like and then it gets to the bit with the texas computers and they're just like well, now this is happening these guys are here yep. and you just go yep things just do you think that's happening. a better way to approach things because there's so much time now people try to convert people to one side either politically or yeah, any well, other yeah, way for sure yeah well, by, portray- yeah, but yeah. by portraying in a more open way you you respect the um the narrator more and the narrative right. and well, you can help you can actually have a better conversation about what's right and wrong that's not what we do anymore social media does not <laughs> enable well, us to just basically that, tell man. stories that I are not that. that are they're hold un- on one second but yeah. that's my point i'm just yeah. trying to say that if we didn't have that approach, and I love that approach because, like you said, there's an equal weight. 
Yeah, well, the, the thing is that, like, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by, uh, like, the way we tend to, and the movie's called True Stories, like, but the way we tend to tell stories about ourselves or about our history, right, is we put brackets around, you know, the segment of the story that, well, the, the segment of history, whatever our personal history, like, you know, like our life or, you know, world history or country's history or local history or whatever it is, like, we choose the beginning and ending point of the story that we're trying to make out of it. And the story is always about how we are the good guys. And so you choose this point as the beginning and this point as the end. And usually you're the person at the end who is the good guy who defeats the bad that you set up at the beginning. But the fact is like, you're choosing those in and out points yourself, you know, like, like for instance, if our, you know, you're talking about your personal life and you're just like, and you know, and then, you know, my, my terrible, whatever, my terrible wife did this to me and she took all my money and blah, 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 blah. Right. And that's your, those are the brackets you sound in the story. So you sound like a good person as opposed to you cheated on your wife and that's why she hates you so much. Like you leave that, you bracket that part out. Right. Or the, like America is bad because we did this in Vietnam, which is like Vietnam is a giant tragedy and America did a lot of terrible things in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, if you want to tell a story about as, as a sadness that uh, was the, you know, like this is a terrible thing that the entire world collaborated in creating that is tragic and horrible. You can do that. Or you can say, uh, president, you know, like Lyndon Johnson was a douchebag and here's the brackets of those story, that story. Mm-hmm. And this, this movie continuously says, let's not do that. Like, let's just say there are a lot of true stories. Like they all overlap and that's what creates our world. You know, like you know, what's beyond one bracket is part of someone else's story. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? And so like, if you open your mind up to say, there's no good guys and bad guys actually, you know, and don't try to make yourself into one or the other. Then the, the movie is preaching for a less confrontational world and a more accepting world, which I really, really, really liked. Like, that oh, was yeah. my, like that was my, the home run of the movie for me is just like, in the end, I was just like, cause if you basically sums it up by saying, you know, by, re- by returning to this place and it gets back to the shot of the road, Mm-hmm. It gives you a moment to rethink what your assumptions were of, about your experience. And right. that's what the whole movie is basically trying to do. And I think that that's a, it's, it's less a movie that is a story itself and more of a way to think about how you live your life. Well, you are brought into a world that's unfamiliar, but then David Byrne eases you into that journey, right? right? Every, everything about the people around and everything is a little odd. In fact, we did show this movie to our kids by the way mm-hmm. and they're like what the fuck was that i didn't they didn't actually <laughs> sure. say that but right, yeah. they, this is not a kind of the, the the format of this movie and the way that the pacing of this movie works and the fact that they're constantly breaking into song in strange yeah, ways and, and only the talking about songs entire, <laughs> entire songs yeah. then, wait what and then you kind of sit there and then and you're like no i'm getting into this uh you know and then you're like oh wait i'm tapping my feet right. like shit oh i right. and, and it doesn't it's strange, but wonderful. Uh, but the, my kids were like too unfamiliar, too much, right. not like, a, you know, so to them, it was a little too much for them. Well, I think uh, that, and to, and like, and, and you can tell Karen to not listen to this part. I'm about to criticize the movie slightly. I think mm-hmm. that it's like Burn, it's his first film, and it's, it's still too first filmy to make its point clearly. 
I yeah, that, that would like, make sense. I think that that like you. That's have fair to, enough. You know, I think that like uh, going into it knowing the context of the Talking Heads really helps. Knowing where David Byrne goes with his career really helps, and sort of like being aware of other films that are very similar in tone, as we were talking about earlier. Uh, that I think that really helps in sort of uh, hanging on when the movie is a little clunkier and uh, and is a little harder to follow or get into. Um, but that being said, the for me, like the intention of the movie is so strong that I was just completely on board. Even if like, yeah, of course, if he continued to make movies, he would have made even better movies than this. But like, it's the, uh, it's not so like the skill is there, but it's the least polished bit. The, the, the meaning is so strong that the movie works. Got to Got to give uh, some props to Jesus who said, this is not my beautiful film. Pretty good. That's good. <laughs> this is not my beautiful film. Exactly. Uh, uh, but, but yeah, I think that's, that's Jesus, what... you've seen it. I'm, Jesus, you must have seen this film. I, you know, I'm I, based on your previous comments. I'm sure you've seen this film. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, it's been a while. Okay. So you've seen it. Uh, but the the other thing uh, that you know I sort of love is the, obviously the cast of characters. So we should introduce some of the characters and some of the, my favorite parts of it. I do want to talk about the woman who's constantly lying about her life. Oh yeah, that's great. It's great stuff. So Ken, the Kennedy bit is fantastic. Yeah, she's talking about Kennedy or how she used to date date uh, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Okay. So you know who that actress is? No, who is that? She is married to Terry Allen. Oh, Terry. I knew Terry Allen would come up on this show. Yeah. How could, so how could he not? She is Terry Allen's wife. Oh, makes sense. God, yeah. it all comes together, dude. Yeah, which is also Texas related, obviously, yeah, for a lot of right. reasons. Yeah, for people who do not know who Terry Allen is, look up the album. Uh, the album uh, I want to say it's Lubbock All Over. I'm not, I'm, I can't remember. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a country styled album that feels very much like this movie. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. Yeah, it's very um, much yeah. in the same vein. That's yeah, very it's a West West Texas country, which is actually a, it is a genre, believe it or not. Yeah, and um, it's a much better like to give a, a a mini rant. The there's there are multiple kinds of country. There's like you know yeah, Nashville, Baker's, Nashville. There's Baker, like Nashville won the country. Bakersfield, awards. Bakersfield, mm -hmm. incredible. Bakersfield is incredible. Bakersfield My is favorite is West Buck Texas. Owens and Dwight yeah. Yoakam. So, like, yeah. all yeah, the that, good that's stuff. Austin. That's Austin, Texas. Right. No, no, so, that's like, that's Bakersfield. Yeah, well, they, they, still, yeah. They, okay, so like the, the the quick history is that there were multiple uh, kinds of country music that were vying on the radio, and it all came down to everything versus the Nashville sound. Right. And the Nashville sound is what won, and that's why people think of country music as shitty stadium rock. Right. <laughs> like that's yeah. well, it was people... also it was also the Hollywood well, well, where is they Texas. made Texas where, they, yes. where a lot of it came from, and it's also a lot of the recording studios there and all the great studio session musicians mm -hmm. going yes. back to the fifties. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, the, the early national sound stuff is still really great. It's very, it's very interesting. It's very, very good. But like what it morphed into is just, you know, decades and decades worth of just generic football, uh, uh, you know, are you uh, ready for country trash? Yeah. It's just, just, yeah. but you know what? <laughs> it's provided a lot of great music for the Ford truck commercials. That's very true. That's right. And it's all the same thing. <laughs> yeah, and every single one of them are yodeling at the camera. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, but country music, there is great country music. There is great country music. Yeah. It's just not the popular stuff. Yeah, and there is same. absolutely great country music. Yeah. Uh, I could, uh, I will, and you do hear it. If you go to some barbecue joints in in in, uh, in, in Texas, you will hear some really good country music for sure. Yeah. 
but um but yeah so she is the she's the lying person and basically her whole thing is that every time they ask her a question she will go onto this long rant about her life that is clearly not true <laughs> zero percent zero percent yeah you know and how she's like an extraordinarily rich person and she owns many properties and it, 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 I'm going to buy a house next week a new house yeah yeah, yeah. another one <laughs> all right okay hitting on poor John Goodman <laughs> yeah so good yeah but just the way she talks it's like and she's very she's got that conspiracy theory mm -hmm. concept to her as well everything is about it and it's great but she never really is a victim or anything or 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 uh you know or a, a villain either she's just basically yeah. just like she's just telling stories she's just telling these crazy stories and everyone's yeah. like oh okay yeah, no one confronts her on it she, nope. she doesn't like you know push it too hard she just sort of says stuff and you just go cool that sounds yeah. fine yeah. that's um that's where you're coming from no yep. big deal <laughs> again it's the like it's the total non-judgmental nature of the movie right like, we just sort of lets it happen here you go what do you want yep. you know and i and i feel like that's the like the god it's so strange to think like because the uh like i said uh, this movie made me think of schizopolis steven soderbergh the mm. movie has spalding gray in it yeah um, yes uh it was steven soderbergh made a couple of movies about and and shot his stage shows mm -hmm. um and uh uh in it all of these things have this very this through line of kindness that yeah. uh that i feel is greatly missing from movies now and i yeah you know, i mean that even in terms of like uh harder edged movies or you know indie films because like when I when I say kindness, I mean like if you've ever seen and another one uh, who like brought up Wild at Heart because this feels like Wild at Heart. This movie generally feels like uh, a, a side of a David Lynch movie, for instance. It actually feels a little bit like Blue Velvet in a lot of ways, which came out yeah. the same year. Yeah. Right? And the uh, but the the David Bur the David Lynch movie that this feels the most like, and is one of the best movies I've ever seen, is The Straight Story. Mm. And, oh yeah. And The Straight Story is one of the greatest movies I think I've ever seen. And it is a movie. You about, say that about every movie. Every movie. Well, it's it's a it's a very large set of movies, <laughs> but I've seen a lot, so the number's going to be big. It's going to yeah, exactly. Like the it's a it's a damn thrown number of movies. But the mm -hmm. uh, uh, but this that movie when people see that for the first time, they're going and thinking it's going to be a David Lynch experience. And it's going to be scary. It's going to be bizarre. Whatever it is, and then instead they get this incredibly kind-hearted. Uh, soul opening experience and I think that David Byrne comes from the same place as that and it's weird that you can track uh, sort of a connect the dots sequence through to other filmmakers who agree and no one's really said anything about this you know and there's a there's a feeling about this movie that wraps up a lot of movies um, a lot of uh, directors from the 90s that seem to agree with this philosophy and have you know not been making a lot of movies lately and uh, like it and so like I, I was watching this going like there's something about this movie that makes me miss movies you know like because even i haven't been back to the movie theater yet because of covid but i also wouldn't be going to the movies very much because the movies that i'm seeing when i rent them are not very satisfying to me like they're why really well is that they're really really well made and they're really nicely shot and uh like they have things in them that i agree with or 
you know, they're nicely storyboarded or the effects are great. But there's nothing um, human about them, <laughs> you know? And this movie is so, so human and really tries to identify with you. It's an empathic movie that's trying to reach because out to you. the genesis of the idea or the genesis of that is not coming from a David Byrne. It's coming from an office. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the thing. I mean, like I've, I've seen plenty of good movies. You know, I, like I'm not saying that I haven't seen any movies this year that I liked. I've seen very few that I've really liked. Um, but they're they're all very, uh, even if they're upbeat, they have a cynical production to them. You know, like there's a very sort of like self-contained. You know, I made a thing, and you can like it if you like it, and not if not. But you know, like it's mine. You know, like it's very. It's, they're very constructed and and not very open. And uh, I feel like this this reminded me of of seeing this kind of stuff all the time. Like even movies like Slacker and uh, uh, you know uh, uh, like uh, Brother from Another Planet came up for me when I was watching this, where I was just like, these are really you know John Sales movies in general, like movies that are wow. really big brought up in movies. Them. Oh God, dude! It's just like, like Caucus Seven. So, yeah, right? on the Caucus Seven, exactly. You know, these movies oh, that are man. really open-hearted films. Yeah, these really, really amazing films. Um, that And some of these aren't very well-made movies. It doesn't know? need to be that. It's but just there's well something in the, Yeah, the DNA is so beautiful that right. it's like... Yeah, it's yeah. Really, that's the real heart of that art for me. And uh, I think that we've all become such great technical filmmakers that it's harder to get at that material sometimes. Because, like, we're getting so good at, like, you know, the edit and the framing and the light and the storyboarding and the blah that uh, you don't get stuff like true stories. Like, there's, like, you know, there's an opportunity to do that. There's yeah, I mean, the, 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 this is not a high-quality DP movie. Yeah. No. The lighting on it is very flat. And yeah. that's actually, I don't necessarily think that that's... Um, uh, that's well, I think serves the movie. Mm -hmm. Absol absolutely it, true. Completely it serves agree. the movie. If it was too slick, it would it would make right. no sense. It would like right. why the hell? Are you? Because the context of the movie is about finding beauty in the banal, right. and so the, the 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 shooting needs to be banal, and yeah, sort of need to be surprised by the things that are happening around right. you, and you see that stuff. Yeah, these I, are I, flaws. I've yeah. always felt like I think you just said it, but I've always felt like movies lacked. Um, like mistakes. I think that yeah. when a filmmaker makes yeah. mistakes, but in a yeah. pattern that is his, that's his style. That you really feel but, it. Yeah. But that's, you know, like that's like now the classic example in this movie. So everyone was going from a wide shot in Texas to a, you know, pro rear projected. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I so mean it was like that kind of thing. That, right. They like embraced it. They're like, yeah, no, we're going yeah. hardcore. Right. But then you know, if you like, showed that or we're watching that with an executive, they'd be like, oh, God, that annoys me. It's just to see a shot. It feels like it's incomplete. And it's just like, <laughs> it's just like let go, dude. Let, let yeah, it is. you missed the point. And so yeah. that mistake or what right. – that's What can be seen as a mistake. Right. Because it's part yeah. of like the – it's like I, I think that there's a – like I, I've talked about this before, but like I love um, bad dubbing in movies. I love yeah. it. Like, uh, like, uh, there's like, there's in fact, like the only thing I really love uh, Blade Runner's final cut. I think that's like yeah. the best version <laughs> of Blade Runner. But the one thing that bugs me in that movie is they fix the shitty dubbing when, uh, 
uh, Harrison Ford goes to talk to the snake guy, where it was like, it used to be so off, it looked like you were watching a different movie's audio. Like, it was just, like, ridiculous. Right. And now they've CG'd his, his mouth so it like, matches up with what he's saying. I'm just like, why'd you do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, out of all yeah. the things you fixed in this movie, you didn't have I have the same that. thing in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back when they the, the arm of the beast, it comes in and his, oh, you can God. see that it's on a stick. Yeah, uh, like, leave it alone, man. <laughs> but I want to note that Jay noticed, uh, said, I watched Man Bites Dog and Get Carded this past week, oh, so I really yeah, need to watch this one. Talking. It's like, now those movies are gritty and horrific, so this is like a, like a little... This is a, a, a palate cleanser, shall we yeah, say. Like, this is the anti-Man Bites Dog. <laughs> this, this is, is definitely so the anti-Man Bites Dog, and I mean that it's... It, it, I, I gotta say, Jay, I, like I, I also just rewatched Man Bites Dog. I, seen, I had not seen Man Bites Dog. It probably I love oh, that. That movie, movie is incredible. It's incredible, mm -hmm. and it's so much worse than I remembered. It was. I was oh, just, it's oh, terrible. Shit, this is shocking. <laughs> this is a crazy shocking. Oh uh, uh, gosh, you know, I oh, should see God. it because I, last time I saw it was at the Angelica Film Center when it came out. Oh damn, dude! Yeah, see that thing? That was like getting hit with a ball peen hammer i was like yeah. that is fucking crazy and they made this thing like and it's brilliant it's a brilliant film yeah. But yeah like that but even that movie as cynical and nasty as that movie is like you can feel how much the filmmaker loves telling the story like they they yeah. are into making that movie and uh and and that is definitely true with uh burn like he has a thing he has a belief that he wants to get across here and uh and it's infectious it's incredibly infectious and it has, and like you're saying, Chris, it's like it has, like the fact that the filmmaking itself is sort of, uh, you know, n nondescript is great because it yeah. feels like, you know, like this, your buddy shot a thing, you know, yeah. and, you're, and you're just watching this. Well, and, and here's the thing, right? Because he's narrating the whole time, but David Byrne is narrating and he's got a tone to him where everything is like, yeah, yeah, that cool. That's all right. Yeah, this happens. Is that fun? <laughs> and when he's talking to John Goodman walking in the mall, he's just like, hey, oh, yeah. how about those women over there? Good, but a whole bunch of old ladies. And yeah. he's like, I think they're a little old for me. He's like, I guess so. And then John Goodman says, he's like, I am very conscious of my appearance. It's like, yeah, I, I noticed that. I noticed that. <laughs> but that, he says it in the like the nicest way, as opposed yeah, exactly. to something sarcastic. You know, uh, it's fucking hysterical, man. His sweetness is 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 funny. Like it's yeah. not it, like it's not hectoring. He's not making fun of anybody. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's just like you can tell that he has a feeling about something, but he's so fucking generous with that feeling. Yeah, uh, that you're just like. Yeah, he's like, like it's it's speaking more to me. Like, you know, get off your fucking high horse, Danthron. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's and it's and it's just fucking great. Like, that's this is great. also the most anti-snob movie ever. Mm, yeah, <laughs> you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. That is that that is my great joy. That is my it is great joy. it is uh, it is saying everyone is special. Celebration yep. of specialness. Spe it's celebration about the people. Of specialness, dude. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's it. That's it. Like yeah. love what you love. And I don't mean that everything is special in the in the uh you know uh uh, uh millennial coddling the you know No, you no, know. I hear what you're saying. No, yeah, like, no. yeah, like there's a cuz there's like there's a it, this movie argues hard to say like you know you're in love with whatever you're in love with. Like get yeah. in touch with that. Like just be in on that thing. Like well, the thing we have in common is that we are in love with stuff. Right. And we can share that. 
and uh and like that's that is the that is the heart that's the heart of that movie driving forward it doesn't matter if you think something is appropriate or inappropriate or whatever it is like right that's it's not for you this is for somebody else but i but you mentioned that 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 scene with you driving by the the suburbia which i hated so much right Mm -hmm. like especially when you're driving by these houses which is confronts you with a four car garage where you don't it's it's lots like the garage goes from almost lot line to lot line yeah and there's just a small sliver of a front door and a back door on each side and then it's the next house which is identical right Right. yeah oh what a horror and he's talking about how wonderful it is they've got four car garage oh look at that 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 mockery but that goes back to what i was saying earlier like if it was like that, you can get a better. It's, you're not being forced something. His mockery is so smart. Yeah, well, because right. it's not really he's mockery. Not, but he's, he's, like, he's not, not he's mocking. Not, he's he's not cynically mocking something. Like he's he knows he probably agrees with you on what you're. He agrees, but he's uh, but he's yes. letting it happen. He's just yeah. like like look, isn't it funny that people like what he's saying is like isn't this funny and sort of beautiful that people are like this? Like you right. can see the silliness here. Like I'm showing you something that is inherently silly. And he's also yeah. showing you the exact same house over and over and over yep. again. And he's right. saying, I wonder who lives here. Yep. I wonder who lives here. <laughs> because what he's basically saying in that statement is the person who lives here is different than the person who lives next door in the identical <laughs> right. house. Right. And they have a different dream and a different task. Absolutely. And their four car, four car garage is filled with different things. Yes. Yes. Right. And yes. and he says that, I mean, maybe it's just me interpreting that way, but no, that's what no, it sounds right. like to me. It's like, I think you're right. Because the, the, the closing song in the movie is city of dreams. Right. About and it's like, which is basically saying like, there are a number of overlapping realities right. here. Yep. You know, and that like our reality in total is constructed of all of our little independent realities. Yes. And we should be respectful of each other in that. Like yeah. the all of these things are beautiful to the people that believe they are beautiful. You know. So like you don't have to like be harshly judgmental over anything. Like you right. can just look at someone and say, like, they are loving this. And that right. I, that's something that I can agree with. Well, you know, it was very, very interesting, you know, for me uh, that, you know, when I was going through architecture and learning about architecture and finding out these different things, uh, uh, it was, you know, I lived in, well, I lived obviously in in Greece and in Europe for a long time, you know, traveling through that and obviously all these old houses and palaces and whatever crap's going on over there. Uh, but, and then, and then you go to, uh, and then I lived in the Northeast, you know, sort of in the uh, Westchester, Chappaqua area. And then, you know, obviously Connecticut, et cetera. And there, all those houses are like, quote unquote, the oldest houses in the United States, right? These are old right. houses and the colonial times of things, right? right. And to those people, those houses are like, uh, my house is an old house and I want to be celebrating the oldness of my house, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And there's a specific kind of architecture that that's about. As you start to go West, right. There's a fantastic book called the Westward Moving House. And oh, you whole, talked about this before. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's, it's about the celebration of how the house, as it starts to go further, further West starts to lose its roots yeah, right. And lose its basement mm-hmm. and becomes more mobile 
and more uh, um, uh, uh, replaceable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And the idea of the suburbia and the, and the cul-de-sac is becomes an important thing. And there was a, specifically someone in that was talking about it, you know, because people start to put down all these suburban houses that were built all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this guy, this architect and, and a lecturer at Rice, he was talking about how the same point that is made by David Byrne by saying, I wonder who lives here. The, the same point is like everyone had a different, even though they all had the same house, when they opened a garage door, it was completely different everywhere you went. Someone right. had a boat. Someone was rebuilding model, model airplanes. Right. Someone was uh, restoring an old Corvette. Right. You know, the, everyone was doing something different in their garage. Yes, yeah, it's a different story inside every house. Every house. So right. the shell of the house is identical, but it can house all these different dreams. And that, in some ways, is sort of a celebration of that architecture. Look how versatile this piece of architecture is, right? Right. Um, right. And so it's something, and, and this is, in the same, he does the same thing, I'm, I, you know, because, like you said, Eric, this is about architecture. He talks about the metal house. It's like, boom. We can just build our warehouse and you can build your dreams in there. They all look the same. There you go. <laughs> right? In the office building that he talks about, the Vericor Corporation, yeah. it is a concrete box. It's very useful. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's a very useful house. And, 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 and it is not pretty. It is not pretty architecture. That is but a he's, box. <laughs> right. But he basically, in a sense, makes this metaphor for like people in the same way. Right. And so. Like, yeah, go ahead, Eric. There was a, just the thing about that I really loved about that is he was outside. First of all, he looks so young, and <laughs> it's a box. And then when you go inside, it's all these people who are just having the greatest stories, right? right. You know, like well, um, the electric. And they're not but really working. They're all just talking. <laughs> I know, but they're but they're. It's like they're in that box, that mundane box, and then all of a sudden you have these cool, interesting. Yeah, talking, yeah exactly. They're talking yeah. about love. They're talking about whatever it is, and like, and the, what's awesome. The different accents, different voices, exactly, different interests. Right. And here's the one. The one of the like we we said that photography is banal, but like the point of view of the photography in that in that sequence is great because it's basically like constantly moving forward through the room and resetting, and moving forward, and moving forward because. Yeah. It is on the treadmill that the parts are on. The camera is right. basically the point of view of the electronics uh, that is moving through the room. Right. And so it's just like that's it was fucking strange. It's like the movie. The movie is saying you are the you are the outside. You are on the outside, peeking into the box. Like right. it's always reminding you of that. Like you just get a little view of what's inside the box today. Right. And this is these are the stories that you see in the box today. Or you're in the box looking out. Or you're in the box looking out. Yeah. No, it's really, it's really, but something. it is. Yeah. Yeah. And the characters are, are incredible. So, uh, that, uh, that's when we're introduced to the John Goodman character in that, mm -hmm. in that, in that place. And like I said, it, it's really hard to give this a, a linear story because oh, yeah, it's it really like the name implies a bunch of little stories, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> random, random, characters. random little yeah. stories that you meet. So you meet this character and boom, this happens, but there is the, 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 the thread that moves us through this is John Goodman's character. Right who works at the, at the Vericor Corporation in the clean room, which is hilarious as yeah. well, because he's got to yeah. have that, that, that ridiculous clean room. His opening shot, his intro shot is terrific. He's yeah. just like, hi. <laughs> he's hi. like the whole weird outfit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but Man Bites Dog takes a little from that. Oh, Maybe. yeah, I suppose so. Sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, except I, he's a murderer. <laughs> 
slightly different tone. He's yes. not looking for a wife. He's looking to murder someone. Oh my God, that yeah. movie. He's that looking movie to explain everything. Right. Yeah. Oh, brother. But the basic it's premise is that, that John John Goodman is looking for love. And he mm -hmm. says that very specifically. Like, I am looking for love. And he's looking for a wife. And, uh, and he's not in a weird way. And it's not that he's not necessarily unattractive. It's just that this is something that is an important thing that he's trying to find. Right. Um, and uh, it's quite, quite. He's like, I don't, I don't know why I, you know, I just can't hit it off with women. And you see him like talking to a woman at a club and like, he says, oh yeah, my name's uh, the, the bear or whatever. And he, and he does this, like raises his arms up and screams I'm at the so... top of his lungs. <laughs> you're just yeah. like, I, I think I have an idea as to why you're yeah, You may be going going a little far there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> From my point of view, John, I'm just saying. But I love the club, too, because you're like, oh, we're going to go to a club. It's going to get a little funky. But no. All, for everyone, there's all kinds of groups of people in the club. Yep. Older people, younger people, yep. spank people. Every, yep. Everyone's there. Yep. And then the, the, I love the light of the, the old couple that's sitting. And by the way, a lot of them, these people are non-actors, clearly not actors. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the older woman sits down at the table with the older guy and she has this big drink. It's like, I'm going to get drunk tonight. <laughs> and it was like, uh, okay. And you never hear anything more of it. It was like, uh, okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds, Sounds good. good. <laughs> and then, and then uh, you know, they're all hanging out. And there's a great scene in there where they're in the in the thing and John Goodman is trying to pick up women. You realize, oh, well, maybe he's, you know, a little socially awkward with these women. Uh, but then they start. Uh, what's the song that the, the Radiohead song with their singing? It's, it, it is actually the song that Radiohead got its name from. That's what I was Radiohead. And so they started singing that I, song. I thought about that when I heard that. I was yeah, like, I, that I, I, I only read that afterwards. I was like, oh, fucking, because I'm a gigantic, because I'm a fucking Gen Xer, of course, but like, right. uh, I'm a huge Radiohead fan. Right. And uh, to see that, I was like, no, no shit. I didn't. That's the one thing I did not know about Radiohead. You know, right. It was all from this movie. And so they, uh, uh, they set up a mic on the stage. The band, minus David Byrne, Radiohead is playing. That's mm -hmm. right. And then David Burns' voice comes over, but an exchange of about 30 people jump up and dance on front of the microphone, singing right. different parts of lip syncing to the song, basically. Right. And like, so you have like members of Talking Heads are coming in and grabbing the mic and lip syncing, lip -syncing to David Byrne singing. Right. <laughs> it's very, very weird. But, but, but there's all kinds song. of people, little kids right. doing this, older people doing it. You know, women, men, different body shapes, everyone, right. everyone having a good time and basically almost telling you, you should try this. Don't you wish you could get up on yeah. front of the mic and just, yeah. just do it, do some, you know, crazy things to the song. Yep. Uh, yep. And so it's good. quite, quite good. Quite good. Yeah, that, um, that is like that's that is definitely the movie in a nutshell right there. Like, yeah, yeah. like they, they, they understand. He understands what he's trying to get at. And, yeah, uh, I think that they, they he carries that uh, you know he carries the tone so well um, that yeah sure the movie like it's completely random like the movie is is a, a completely random experience uh, right uh, but the overwhelming well it starts off it like leaves you in is, is is incredible it's it, and a lot of the scenes go like they start off like okay this is a little weird and it's like oh you think that's weird we're just going to keep going on the weird factor and the yeah. the best example of that is the the fashion show. Yes. Oh, yeah. Good God. Yeah. 
The oh, fashion man. show just goes because it's it's not just okay. They're going to show you some crazy fashions, which they do and they deliver. But just the way that it starts is like you know, John Goodman says, "I'm going to go check out the fashion show because I want to get some fashion tips for right. myself, right? right? Because I'm aware of my appearance, as, as right. I mentioned earlier." And they go to watch, like, "Oh, that sounds great!" So they go see it, and the woman who's introducing the fashions is the uh, president. I thought it was the mayor, but he's not the mayor. He's the president of Veracor or something like that. It's yes. his wife, it's right? His wife, right? Right. And which we find out this gossip going around that he and his wife have not spoken to each other directly for years <laughs> yeah. Yeah. which is a strange thing so we'll get to that point in a bit but anyway she starts talking reading these cue cards and introducing these different fashions about things and people are coming out showcasing the fashion who are clearly not models <laughs> not runway models nope. definitely not <laughs> runway models uh, in fact, celebrated for their non-runway model appearance. And their outfits are very uh, uh, Tim Burton-esque, as, uh, as uh, Eric said. Uh, and they have, uh, it gets, as the outfits come out, and they get a little more crazy. And she continues to read off the cue cards to introduce this art. She slowly starts to sing <laughs> what was yeah, going on. Yeah, That was the best. She yeah. sings the song Dream Operator, which is a talking yeah. head song, obviously. And like yeah. Dream Operator links to City of Dreams. Right? Yes. Like these two songs sort of tell the entire point of view yep. of the movie. Because I actually looked up because I wanted to say this. The the uh uh let's see, the lyrics to Dream Operator are um uh uh when you were little, you dreamed you were big, you must have been something um uh uh uh, you wished you wished you were me. I wished I was you. Don't you wake up. The dream will come true. Every dream has a name, and names tell your story. This song is your dream. You're the dream operator. Right. And uh, like that, which is the essentially saying, like, this is your this is your little or your experience is your part of this world, right? Right. Like this every like the things that are important to you, you know, that you that define you and are incredibly important are a part of all of this right. and you share uh the landscape with other people's dreams constantly right right and uh and so when you see these people on the runway uh and they're all like the it starts out initially you're sort of like like these are, they're kind of crazy looking outfits right but it, at a point well people, there's also a lot of architecture in there there's, there's, a, lot there. <laughs> there's a lot of architecture it's, yeah and, and this is what i'm saying like the thing i was like what what is the scene what's happening in the scene yeah. and i didn't get it until people came out wearing suits and dresses that were printed with a wall like right. a brick or wall, a ionic column <laughs> or an ionic column like yep. and, and like you like these are the shapes of the houses you know, the, 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 it's saying like these are you are the house we're talking about yes Right. And, uh, and this, what you're presenting on the outside of the house isn't necessarily what is inside the house. Right. You know, yep. and like, for, like this suit says brick wall, like, don't talk to me, for instance, like I'm right. shutting you out. But inside that is some inside those metal boxes and those brick boxes yep. are other other worlds. Like everyone has these weird little worlds, like every, everyone is the club. Everyone is uh, the electronics place. You know, like right. it looks like a shitty metal box on the outside, but you go inside and you see that it's a wild and different place. 
Right. You know, and you can trust that everybody is having that experience instead right. of being fearful of everybody all the time. Yep. Mm. You know, really, really, really something. There is a thing. Keep going, Dan. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to, like, the, the, the runway gag is when I was like, okay, I think I know where this movie is getting at. Right. And then it, uh, what's, what's funny about it is, you know, obviously they're the, 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 outfits become these crazy outfits you know like a wedding cake and all these different things and then the headdresses get bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where the ends with a headdress uh that just ends up toppling someone off yes, the stage. exactly you know <clears throat> and and you know people like we all know people i've been this person you know like when the architecture of their house gets so top heavy that it wrecks their life <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. like you you're, there's so much upkeep to the frontispiece you know to the uh to the to the illusion uh that it gets in the way of actually functioning yeah and mm. uh, and it's uh and when that one when that woman just wipes out off the stage because her fucking head's her hat's too big <laughs> like, this is great that is a great gag there's yeah. a, a thing i pasted it's a, a movie that I absolutely love is called Masked and Anonymous, and it's a great soundtrack. And John Goodman's in it too, and it's music based with Owen Wilson, with Bob Dylan. Oh man, and, I have not seen this either. Oh my god, part two. But, uh, well, didn't yeah. did, didn't John Goodman have a band? Wasn't he in a band? Yeah, yeah, he was. I right? did not know that. He yeah. was also in the Blues Brothers. The yeah. Blues Brothers, two thousand. Yeah, but right. this that album that's that album is incredible. Masked and Anonymous. You get a lot of people covering um dylan like one of the album of uh most of the time is and and every grain of sand there's jerry garcia doing a cover there but um it's such a cool movie and dylan does the narration and dylan the live it. yeah the live his band man with uh charlie sexton mm -hmm. they play live uh cold iron bound Man, that was the and I saw him a couple times around that time. I've seen him a lot, but that band was the tightest band since the '60s. That's such a beautiful movie, and I own it. I just you watch I that. that one. Yeah, you brought it the, before. The mountain, cold irons bound, and it's such a tight shot of them. And John's in the back with Owen Wilson, just like I was like, God, I was so envious of Owen Wilson to be able to hang out with Dylan like that. That's wild, but it's, dude. And, but it's another kind of like he. There's a little bit of. You know, Goodman's the same as in this. It's just, mm -hmm. it, it's just a beautiful film. So I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dig that one up. Yeah, that uh, you mentioned it before. Uh, I, I need to check that out. Yeah, there's, there's a, there are movies that I have not seen. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's out there. You can send them in. Yeah, yeah. Dan, what did you think of the book? I'm almost done with it for the um, uh, Tarantino book. Oh, I'm loving it. Loving it. One hundred percent. Like, I like, I or actually, I'm just about. Uh, I'm three quarters of the way done, and the uh, and like all the stuff with uh, uh, the history of Candace Bergen and uh, Wilson. Yeah, and all that stuff, I was just like, holy shit, this is crazy. Yeah, like, that's just, I remember that stuff. That was crazy stuff, man. Yeah, it's just brilliant. What I, what, what I what I really really love about that novelization is, uh, uh, like it's an it's like watching an entirely different cut of the same movie. It is. Like it's a wholly, it's a whole different experience, and uh, uh, like we won't go off too. I, I would like to spend time talking about that on the show because that book is, I think, is really, really great, and it deepens my love of the movie, which I already love. Um, but I hear that, and I 
And it sounds like neither of us have gotten there. I hear the ending is very different. And so oh, I'm very, I hope. I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet, see- but I'm not there yet. But it's there are portions of this book I wish they put in the film. Oh, it's some brilliant, brilliant, beautiful stuff. Some very funny stuff. Some very spooky stuff, and some character stuff that really of Cliff particularly. Of Cliff particularly that really changes or for me, reinforces how I saw Cliff. And I was just like, this is beautiful, an incredible, incredible bit of work. Uh, yeah. And uh, and and it's and it's so like if you're uh, if people people are listening, if you're into any um, history of Hollywood in that time period, like it is chalk a block with stuff that i not even i just didn't know i was just like that's that's incredible i didn't know these things uh so it's a it's a it's a really rich experience uh adding to an already rich experience so i, I would say even if you haven't seen the movie just read the book it's a really it's a really good book it's a you you're chalk a block you're layering a lot of richness and if i can just say could it be that it's just a, a film with a lot of nougat it's a it's a it's a fat nougat film. It's a fat nougat film, and <laughs> I think that's nougat. I think that's where we're trying to go. Yeah, yeah. it's a fat nougat film, no doubt about it. That's a, that is a rich nougat experience indeed. <laughs> but yes, we'll have more thoughts when we. No one has book, ever done a film review that. like that. It's a fat nougat of a film. Yeah, that's right. Who, yeah, who, who's the who's the super the fictional superstar we talk about? It's uh, Mr. Nougat. <laughs> oh, Chuck Nugget or Robert Chuck Prestige? Nugget. Yeah, Robert Prestige and Chuck, uh, Chuck Nugget. Revenge. <laughs> yeah, Dazzler's Revenge. Dazzler. I would like to make a formal res- request for a Dazzler's Revenge uh, mug. I'm I will do a Dazzler's this. Revenge poster and mug. This is a great idea, and I'm not saying this because we're probably leading into the the middle of the uh, of the show uh, break, but I do want to say that this right here, if anyone's seeing it, this is my Martini Giant uh, coffee mug. It's huge. This is the metal one. And it is my only coffee mug I drink from now. This is it. I love it. It's perfect. It's a yes. nice desk. I have lots well, of where would you? Where do you get a mug like that? I would say you might want to check out. Uh, MartiniGiant.com. Yes, oh, right. Go to okay. MartiniGiant.com, which is a lovely website. And we have by, a little merch store in there. The I also did get, by the way, I did get the bath mat. It's fucking dope. Tears in a Rain <laughs> bath mat. It's good And, stuff. uh, Okay, I'm gonna say a couple of things. One, it's a it's it's not a, not that expensive. It was like twenty seven bucks or something like that, right? Uh, but it's 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 a good bath mat. On top of that, it's, it's like really comfortable. Mat. Okay, so really I'm just gonna ask you guys, well printed, it's all bath mat that well printed. Yeah, yeah. it absorbs well. Mm-hmm. It's high quality. Where yeah. would you get something like this? This well, is you would have to. The these are very made. special because yes. these are only available at martinigiant.com through our. Oh, that's stores. a good. Okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Okay, yeah, yeah. so lovely. Yeah. Our, our threadless store that is all these designs. Oh, you have this, a store. At this fell out. If I'm pointing at the right place here, let's see. If I'm pointing like this, is this pointing there? I can't. Tell. Huh. Uh, okay, so Eric a... does all of the designs, and yeah. they are terrific. They are terrific. They're yeah. hilarious. And my favorite is the uh, the three spacemen, and uh, which are featured in our Twitch stream right now. That's right. This has become sort of iconic. So this is going to be the drawing for one of you guys. I'll keep no, trying. Oh, nice. that's, Jay's, that's Jay's drawing right there. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah. a whole bunch going. And so Jay, don't forget, Jay, that uh, we're churning them out fast and we'll get some more going. Jesus got his, right? Jesus, you got did your you get drawing, yours? Right? Yeah. I asked did. him earlier, did he? I don't know. Yeah, I hope but so. he did. He said he got his. So good, uh, good, 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 good. Uh, but Jay, yeah, you will you will get one. Just all, all you gotta do, Jay, is go to uh, email us podcast at martinijohn.com with your address and uh, we will put it in an envelope. Nice. Uh, nice, so, 
uh, and you can have it. It'll be signed by Eric as well. Um, or Robert Prestige, my or attorney Prestige, from Los yeah. Angeles. This mm -hmm. is it. What, what you see, I, I can I envision these mugs, and I like the the Dazzler's Revenge suite of uh, of merch is going to be my favorite. Uh, like right up there with the uh, the Daniel Buck suite of uh, products. Yes, this is, uh, I will say that I sh I posted on on Facebook. Uh, uh, good, I'm glad Jesus got the the, the mug. Uh, or the um, the drawing. Uh, I will say that uh, I did put a post on Facebook of the bath mat, and then someone else bought a bath mat. Like, yeah, Whoa. that's right. That's how good it is. It sells itself. Mm -hmm. It sells its damn. Now, I'm going to credit your feet in that shot, though. Like, like yeah, I think your, your feet really add the, huh? the the cinema verite nature. That uh, I'm glad you appreciated that, and yeah, I'm glad I, it was only my feet that was in there. But yeah, uh, well, you know, it's a long lens. What are you going to uh, do? Uh, well, we sh the thing is, Jay, we can't really review Dazzler's Revenge because it, it's not a real movie. I will take you up on that, Jay. <laughs> I, I think we could do at least a 20-minute review of Dazzler's Revenge. <laughs> Dazzler's Revenge. Dazzler's Revenge uh, would be uh, remind like the, the plot of Dazzler's Revenge re reminds me of a film that uh, a friend of mine loved called Gator Bait. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's Gator what Bay. I would imagine Dazzler's Revenge being. Now, not to be mixed up with Gator, starring Burt Reynolds. Hold on a second. I or Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> that was. Why did I make that up? It was for something, wasn't it? Dazzler's Revenge. I don't know. I've always, I've always pictured Dazzler's Revenge You're starring right? a uh, a young Jane Fonda, like a straight off Barbarella Jane Fonda. I think that's the uh, that's the that's the vibe. Like Lee Van Cleef. Uh, uh, Jane Fonda and uh, and maybe like a uh, Diane Cannon. Diane Cannon, yes, Diane Cannon would be a nice nice ad. That's it. I think we should listen to Jay on this thing. I think we should uh, we should we should see Dazzlers of Revenge. We should hunt that down and do a, a special episode dedicated to it with uh, uh, with special guests. Or uh, there's Dugan. you know what we can do. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 how many of you guys are um, are um, um, <laughs> it's like uh, Phineas and Ferb yes. fans? <gasps> yes. Okay. Yes. Have you seen? Have you ever watched Phineas and Ferb, uh, Eric? I don't know, no. Not. Anyway, they're why, quite. Why did you say probably not? Because it just doesn't just, seem like your thing. It's a kids show. It's a kids show. Uh, I don't know. So it's yeah. a good show, though. And yeah. and I'm sure that uh, JH3K uh, has, uh, just because he also just brought up Borges. And I think that if you like Borges, and you must also like Phineas and Ferb, it's right. part of the same, they had, part of the same uh, culture. They, they basically, they <laughs> and at the, the end mind. of one of the episodes, they came up with a trailer of a completely nonsensical trailer of this action episode that they were never planning to do. <laughs> and they did this crazy trailer for this thing that made no sense at all by design and then everyone pressured them online you've got to make that episode and they're like but it doesn't make any doesn't sense exist. <laughs> so it doesn't make sense none of these things are there's no continuity between any of these things that's the whole joke and so they had to construct a script and they actually made the episode that that was based on which is i I think, Funny. This, I think this is a genius idea here i would definitely if i i would say we should put up a show the spinoff comes out every now and again where we reviewed the special martini giant universe of films created by Eric Sheely. Well, it's really we, funny to say that. What I'm saying is that we should to... make the trailer to Dazzler's Revenge. Yeah. Should, yes. I, I used I'm to, in. I remember 
when I was living in New York, there was a guy who now is still, he's an executive in LA, but in the early 90s, and he would stay at my apartment in the village, and we'd go to the Waverly Diner, and it had pictures of Telly Savalas, all these great actors. And we used to, every time we'd go there, we would come up with this idea of making an action show called Trouble Team, and we would just make a poster <laughs> to try to get them at the Waverly Diner to put our picture on the wall. And they'd be uh, like, what is this Trouble Team? You know? <laughs> We came up with a theme song, anytime, anywhere, trouble team. Trouble team. And, and we came up with an episode every time. It was totally that. Because mm -hmm. we wanted to get on the wall next to Kelly Savalas. Diamond Jim Sandal. Next, totally. And they would, the guys that own the diner would be like, okay, we got another actor for the wall. It is. <laughs> I can see this. Dazzler's Revenge lives deep in my heart. I can tell you that one. That's that's some beauty. That's some beauty. Yep. So yes, like look forward to it. What was Martini the tagline I put? Sometimes crime can dazzle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. If Tarantino's listening, he's not listening. But if he's listening, please consider this as your as your final film. <laughs> Great, Martini, Martini no. Giant presents. Tarantino is, out, is on podcast bitching about his mom. <laughs> That's what we do here. It's true. <laughs> That's what I'm it's saying. <laughs> exactly That's right. right. That's right. Uh, he was just yeah. on Joe Rogan. I was. I sent you guys a clip or something. Oh, I love that clip. The clip was great. That was a great clip. Because Which one? Talking, the Joe Rogan one? Yeah, he was talking about uh, the difference between uh, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray. Uh, films and uh, his point being that, and I strongly agree with him, and I believe we're who, in the same who? phase now. Tarantino uh, was Tarantino, Tarantino yeah. Yeah. and uh, his point being that uh, that the '80s were one of the worst times for uh, for uh, mainstream film uh, because in the '70s, and we've talked about this exact same thing, but mm -hmm. uh, just to reinforce it, in the '70s, um, like you'd have characters like Travis Bickle. You know, you'd have characters that or like you'd make movies like, uh, you know, Night Moves and shit like that, where it's just like, this is upsetting shit about people that you like are, are bad people, you know, like this, mm -hmm. like this is, but like you would sort of get something out of watching them because you identify things in yourself in these people. And then it would make you analyze yourself. That's the whole idea of making movies like that. And it was very popular. It was real popular stuff to do. Uh, but in the 80s, it became so corporatized. Yeah. That uh, the only thing that they they knew that the only the only thing they could sell if they wanted to sell big numbers was to sell you know stories about people who are who are good great people and they always did the right thing and they were always you know like they didn't have to fix anything themselves they're just lovely mm -hmm. you know and uh, you know for us it's fucking. 15 years of superhero movies you know <laughs> it's just like yep. how much self-congratulation can we indulge in before we realize that it's a little shallow and hollow uh these are all fun movies and i uh, there's a lot of superhero movies that i like but uh at the same time you're like enough candy <laughs> you know there's only so much right. you can make pillowcase worth of candy but it's a great uh, that at least that section of the interview is really like i really I, I to see tarantino talk calmly about something is a real pleasure because when he's on fucking Jimmy Kimmel or something like that, he's, he's too, playing for the cam. He's playing. He's just like, ah, like this. And that's why people, when they have a bad uh, opinion of him, it's because they've seen that. Um, because he's, he's, he, that's an annoying frame for him. But if you actually see him talk about stuff that he cares about and seem as an actual person, then he's really very interesting. 
Uh, I thought that was a really, uh, that, that particular clip was quite great. Yeah. And that's the beauty of podcasts, like the Johnny Carson stuff where people can open up a little bit or other shows from years ago, but you don't get, it's hard to get that. Yeah, no, there's not a lot of like, there's very little, uh, pop culture stuff that is that, uh, rich nowadays. There is some, you know, um, but it's all right. Right now it's very, it's very forward facing as opposed to internally fa uh, focused. And, uh, so people are very presentation. They're very concerned about their, the presentation of them. It's brand building. It's a brand building exercise. And, and they know that they have to do that because if they don't mind their P's and Q's, they will get shredded. You know, if they say something that, you know, is taken out of context or said the wrong way or like some, some flip joke that they didn't really mean, like they can blow their whole career, you know? And, uh, and so people are forced into these very narrow windows of, uh, of speech. Um, and so for someone like Tarantino, like that can get him into real trouble. You know, because he's, uh, he can be a loudmouth, you know, and uh, whereas like if you actually see, you know, him talk about stuff, you go, oh, shit. Yeah, this guy's, this guy's a fascinating, very yeah, smart guy, you know, and, uh, and things like, I like for all the tearing down that people do of Tarantino online, uh, on, on film Twitter, like, in the, over stuff that he, like, he just some half-assed thing that he accidentally hurt someone's feelings or something like this. And then the, the shredding that he receives, I, can you imagine what would happen if he said anything like what he said about him later on Twitter? Like, have you ever said any of the shit that's said about him? <laughs> like, you'd be like, Oh my God, put him in jail. <laughs> yeah. You know, people lose their fucking minds. Um, but anyway, I, I really recommend, I'll take it all the way back. Read this book. It's a great book. I all right. I was very, very, very impressed with. I'm that. avoiding the Tarantino conversation, as you can tell, but uh, I am going to say we're going to take a uh, a short break, um, and I am I need to I need to get uh, something to drink, which I will do in a second. We're going but, to watch uh, an ad. Uh, but we are going to do a two minute break. Uh, there's going to be ads, uh, an ad for two minutes for those of you who uh, are not subscribed. Jay, you are sub subscribed, uh, so you will not uh, get an ad. So you'll continue to have the rambling rants of uh, Eric and Dan uh, as I go get something to drink. Unusual right. for Eric, not for me. All right. So we'll start, <laughs> we're starting our break now. All right. There we go. Oops. There we go. All right. You guys keep talking. Very good. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I particularly love the uh, the backstory of uh, Cliff, uh, Cliff, and like how he got the dog was like so good, so good. <laughs> like that was amazing. Like talk about, I was just like, oh my god. There's an interesting part after reading the book. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if somebody edited the film or like in the script and uh, took said, out some of that. He said that, I mean, I'm, I think, I, uh, like, I know uh, someone who worked on this movie, and it would not surprise me uh, if he shot everything that's in the book. Like, that... That would uh, be so great. I, I, believe, I believe that he probably did. And, uh, and, uh, and I, because I, I he had, he himself has said, um, you know, like, there's, like, the, I think the original cut's probably like five hours or something like that. That would be beautiful. And I could, I could easily watch that. Like yep. watch. In fact, like I would, like I would say for folks that like, um, I think the Tarantino, 
like because he talks about how he's not going to direct movies anymore and like the tenth movie is his last. Here's my bet: is that he's not going to direct anything for movie theaters anymore. I bet that's true. Uh, but I think that he is going to make TV. I think he's going to direct seconds. a lot of TV. And I bet he's streaming. Gonna, you mean streaming? And uh, I think what he's going to do is he's going to put out stuff like here's the five five episode hour long piece version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Fuck yeah! That that I would pay for. Yeah, because he already basically did that with um, uh, Hate the Late. Like Hate the Late, he broke up for Netflix into four episodes. It was about half an hour longer, and for me, it was actually a much better movie. Like if it, it plays better as an episodic. Can you uh, see Western. that on Netflix? Yeah, look it up. It's great. It's a, it's a much it's a much better movie. Like he needs like he has he has both the room to do everything he wants, but that but he has to deliver it in hour long pieces, so it doesn't it's a little tighter. Yeah, the storytelling is tighter, and he gets the room he wants, and so I think it's a it's a better medium for him. Actually, I know he loves yeah you know, the big screen, but in terms of a, as being a screenwriter, he's better. He's actually better for TV. Yeah. I've switched from uh, from uh, Croix to Spindrift. I don't know if you guys have used Spindrift. Oh, Spindrift is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. that's not bad. It, for me, I'm no no. This is a compliment to Lacroix, but uh, I like Lacroix better because it has less flavor than Spindrift. Spindrift yeah. has character and flavor, and, I, and it's very also good. Spindrift is natural. Yes. As Lacroix is a chemical process yes. <laughs> that is out of some weird machine. This is I'm raspberry sure. lime, and it definitely <laughs> tastes like someone just shoved a bunch of raspberries into yeah, the, it's, some soda it's water. It's, it's part <laughs> in a non-artificial way. Mm-hmm. There's uh, no sugar in this thing at all. It's yeah, like, no, it's good. I, lo- I like that stuff, but that's more like I treat Spindrift like I'm having a glass of wine rather than Lacroix, which I'm literally drinking nonstop all day long. Right. In fact, I which isn't that. necessarily bad for you. If you were drinking Diet Coke all day, I would have problems. But... Yeah, that causes brain problems. I allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> but here yeah. you go, Lacroix. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet your spin drift with a Lacroix right now. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His who's this is me. He, you know, he says four to win on spin drift. Oh yeah, but for flavor, yes. I'm, I'm. Yeah. But the thing is that this has nothing to do with flavor. This has to do with my mouth being on fire all the time. <laughs> it's fizziness. I just, I just want absolute some cold fizziness. ice water. Nice water. You're old school. Nice. That's it. Yeah, I find it. I Brady, your stuff's up there. If you want Dazzler's to Revenge. Dazzler's Revenge. There it is. Um, mm-hmm. Take it to the edge. Go ahead. Go ahead. You got it. You got Good. it. Good. No, other way. Uh, oh, yeah. What was Brady that? Breaker. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> the how, how was D&D, Brady? Was the best. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Are you playing D&D? He, Brady, yeah, he's playing D and D, like you, like old school D and D, where they're sitting in the backyard. I, I play it every week, dude. You don't have to explain that to me. Good lord, I know. I'm a huge nerd, the hugest of nerds. So I actually would love to find a. I would love to get back into D and D with a group of friends at some oh, point. Oh, I will but... do that. Any anytime you goddamn want, I'll run D. It's been years since I've played, but I will. I, I I'm, I'm here's here's some detail for the audience you may not know. I wrote a role playing game. Uh, long ago with my friends Todd and Chris uh, that is a bit of a classic called Human Occupied Landfill and it's very offensive and has lots of swears and all sorts of very nasty uh, jokes uh, that that are horrible and I love it. I'm very proud of it. Uh, And uh, that was back in the 90s and I have been an indie role-playing guy guy ever since and I continue to play every week of my life since I was 12. 
So nice. Giant, giant, giant fan. Uh, and fifth edition, which I'm sure what Brady is playing, is. Are you playing excellent. fifth edition? Dungeons and Dragons? Five E. Five E. That is a great, great bit of work right there. Best D&D yet. You want to take the rest of that power supply? No. Okay. So, yeah, as you guys can tell from uh, who are watching this live from the Nerf guns behind me that I do the podcast in Brady's room because it tends to be the quieter place to go. It, I think it's the best background. Mm-hmm. I have, like, I have a shitty box fan. Like, yeah. you get, Eric's got art. You have guns. I got a box fan. Yeah, Nerf I guns. did bring kittens to the game, though. But you, did did. Bring, you did bring kittens. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I forget I got up my up my game a little bit, and that was my mm-hmm. my secret that way. That's a good one. Hmm. This. Uh, yeah. So is this when we announced that we're also going to be doing um, uh, Martini Giant live stream role playing games? I don't know. We should. You know, uh, uh, Brian Pusain. You know who Brian Pusain is? Yeah. Uh, he has a podcast where they play D anD D during the podcast. Oh yeah, it's, it's huge. And it's called it's too. called uh, Nerd Poker. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> See, this is the thing: is that anybody who is younger than forty listening to us right now knows that we are bullshitting because D anD D is not for nerds. It's one hundred percent for the popular kids right now. Like this is a billion dollar industry, yeah, yeah, yeah. massive all throughout everywhere. It's popular as the Avengers. Like for us to pretend like this is some weird shit that we do in the back, like. It's not the case. Like it's totally the thing to do, uh, and I have been doing it my whole damn life. I'm glad that I no longer have to do it in creepy secret. <laughs> I'm glad that it's become the super hit that it has become. I'm glad they're making a 200 million. I have a few questions for for our, for our audience. Jesus said the kids now have quote trigger unquote cards for when things get weird. What does that mean? I I assume that there's what are you what are you talking about? Uh, what 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 are you referring to? I don't know what part of that conversation. We I were. think I think there's it's like the safe word when you're at an S and M club. I right. think it's like uh, you basically. Oh, cucumber. Yeah, yeah. Mine is <laughs> mine. By the way, is Rodney Dangerfield. That's a very long safe word. <laughs> oh, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> mine, mine is systemic anaphylaxis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Carbon Jay says, and plastic. Uh, Jay Carbon also asks plastic. any critical role fans. Uh... Oh wait, yeah. oh wait. So when they're playing D and D, they have trigger cards for when things get weird. Yeah, if they feel uncomfortable or something, they they pop that out and say, "I'm guessing," but it's a good. For guess. when they're playing D and D. Oh yeah, well because no, well, there's a for because I mean D and D is played a lot on Twitch now. It's actually quite popular to watch this. Yeah. Um, and there have been some real scandals with people getting inappropriate in their storytelling or in their performance um, that makes other people in that are playing with them very uncomfortable and uh, that have ended up in lawsuits and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. You see, so that's the thing that's interesting because when I was playing D and D, this is which was street. I was playing D and D when I was in a French school <laughs> Right? right, and the what was strange about it then, you know, this is back in the eighties, was it, no one in a French school really played D anD. d It's just this one friend of mine mm-hmm. who said, "Oh, I found this game. It comes from America. It's called Dungeon and Dragons. Where we want you guys want to play it." I'm like, cool, and so we started playing it. So none of the culture of 
performance or identifying with your character or just taking things to a different level were part of the game experience that I had. The game experience I had was pragmatic, like, okay, just, oh, well, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. And then when I came to the United States, it was like, no, we dress up, we act it out, we do this. It was like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because, so that, yeah, sure. People take it all like, yeah. You know, there's multiple ways to game. Right. For instance, now, when I watch the kids, when I watch the kids playing it here, like Jeez. Brady and his friends, the 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 DM does a great job. He's very excited. You know, they're all having a fun time, but it's really about the kids arguing with each other about what they're going to do and try to get <laughs> o- on. And I mean right. it in a good way about Absolutely. trying to overcome that argument to make progress. Right. Oh yeah, without a doubt, for sure. In fact, right. like I'm, I'm running a similar game right now, Brady. Right. Happy to be listening. He's not. He's that, not. <laughs> uh, the, uh, and uh, Dave, three D guy, one of our uh, consistent uh, listeners, is uh, uh, one of the one of the players in my game. And the way that uh, uh, him and his brother, who's playing, uh, like most of the game, is is watching them plan to deal with the problems that I present. Like almost right. all of it is just like this extremely elaborate problem solving, uh, which is a, a brand of gameplay. In fact, that's not my normal brand of gameplay, but that is the way that they like playing. And so that's how it gets yeah. played. But for a lot of people, um, especially, you know, uh, people younger than me, which is more than 75% of the earth, uh, that like it is a, uh, like it's about character building and, uh, and, uh, and building a character that represents you and the challenges that you want to face in your life. Right. And so I think that for when you get that personally involved in presenting yourself as part of what you are playing, uh, then it, people feel like they need uh, some sort of like, bulwark against uh hurt and uh Ah. accidental offense and stuff like this which you know hey man play how you want to play that's totally cool and uh uh and so i think that like there's like i think that there's a fight between um like i said there's there's groups there are different styles of gameplay and there is a lot of online bullshit fighting uh over whether or not DD has gotten too woke and whatnot like oh jesus like and so like Here's my argument. It's like, let people play however the fuck they want to play. Who cares? Like, if people want to have trigger cards and hold up, like, I, let's this getting weird and let's let's back off of this. Let them do that. If that's the if I'm interpreting that correctly, certainly like stuff like that has come up. If that's the if the, it's their bunch of friends, they're playing together. That's how they play. That's fine, you know. Yep. Um, and if other people don't want to do that, then don't do that. It's totally yeah. your fucking game. Like, who cares? No one has to get up anybody else's ass about anything. <laughs> Did and, you uh, ever watch the Key and Peel skit of them playing Dungeons and Dragons and the no. black guy? <laughs> I can't believe the I've black seen guy that who comes into the game and it's he's like, like <laughs> and they're like, okay, so this is what happens. And the black guy comes in and goes, what, What's your next move? He's like, I get into my car and I pick up some bitches. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, no, no, that is like, it's like, wait, wait, I want to get into the car and pick up some bitches with him. I would <laughs> like to do that as well, please. Yeah, no, that you would. <laughs> That's right. It That's is really choice. funny. It's really funny. Oh my god, I love this yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, so just much. look up uh, Key and Peel Dungeon and Dragons. I'm sure it will Amazing. come. Out. It's a very short skit. Amazing. Uh, we oh. should get back to the movie real quick. I know we oh, have yes, a little detours. Movie. We talked about some Tarantino, which I I, I let go. 
and then we talked about some Dungeons and Dragons. You and Tarantino. Yeah. You should bring them on the podcast. You guys can work out your shit, whatever it is. Nice. I no, I'm just tired of talking about him. Uh, you know, it's like it's like he's like a millionaire. That poor millionaire is getting. He's got to hold up a trigger card, man. Come on, it's Tarantino. I figure if we, you know, eventually, if I just don't, yeah, I'm see, I'm triggered. Thank you, Jesus. I'm totally triggered. I should bring up my my trigger card there it is. for the it, podcast. See? We don't yeah. have to wreck your trigger cards. We can just show up the card and be like, "Nope, we no, can't talk about don't that." Don't say the T word. Don't say the T word. <laughs> or Titanic. 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 Yeah. That's right. That's lots, TNT. Lots, lots of things off the list. Of it's the T card. No that's Titanic. Right. No Tarantino. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Makes sense. Makes sense. Ultimately, yeah. It's, it's uh, the, you know, at the end, it, it all stops making sense. Get it? Oh, oh. Segments. You're the king of segments. I love today. that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, uh, oh, and Jay says uh, critical role. If you want to check it out. Oh well. Yeah, okay. it's yeah. The critical role is it's, it's actually so successful that D and D made a book based on their setting. Like it's incredibly popular. Okay. Incredibly popular. They made a uh, movie. They made they made a D&D, you know, they have the rule books they put out. Like this Twitch show is so popular that they made an entire fifty dollar uh new rule book just about their game. It's like a whole new setting that you can play did in. You ever see like in Venice the guy that created it, his house? No. I, oh but uh Gary you guys lot, Jay was just saying it had a nice sequel, but we anyway, we should keep going on the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's like, sorry, you, you did this great segue and then we totally backed yeah, off. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And then what you guys can't get the directions. Like, I, I presented you with a fork in a road and you didn't uh, take like, it. Clearly, I need to be, <laughs> we need to have a D&D podcast on the side. That's it. You know, we'll do that separately, a whole separate thing. When presented right. with a, that, that, that's a, that's a, uh, uh, what's his name? Yogi Berra goes, if you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Here we are. All right, so 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 uh, I want to get into uh, Spalding Gray and his yeah. important role in this because he is, first of all, I love Spalding Gray. Yes, yeah, yeah. His sad, uh, sad tale of Spalding Gray. Yeah, and I saw him live uh, do a monologue live in in yeah. Houston, uh, and it was only like a few months before he died, so it was a little strange. Which was strange about it because obviously, you know, when you look at his movies like Monster in a Box or Grey's Anatomy or Swimming to Cambodia, you guys have seen, I'm assuming you guys have seen all those. I used to see him in New York. So I've seen his show a bunch of times. Right. So I saw those and they're like mind blowing, right? Performances. Um, And, uh, but then I saw his last one and it was strange because he was. You know, he was with the, the, I don't think he was married, but he was with that woman and they had kids together. And it was about being a family man, which just did not make sense in the Spalding Gray sense of things, right? Like his life seemed a little odd and different um, to that. And I I don't know what what happened to him, obviously, but uh, obviously he's dealing with depression and everything else. Um, But I'm sorry, I'm going to go into a little bit of a thing. Have I've started to really get into um, a comedian. Have you guys listened to Mike Babiglia? Oh, I love, I've seen, I've seen his shows. Yeah. He's great. Lo- I love so him. doesn't he have a little bit of, because all of his comedy is like a long story. 
doesn't it yeah. have a little bit of a Spalding yeah. grayness to it? I mean, it's no, not yeah, as philosophical, like, yeah, but like a Spalding, little bit. Spalding gray is a little bit more sort of New Yorker, like in meaning the magazine. Like he's a little bit more. Yes, like, a little bit New Yorker. Yeah, little, yeah, yeah. Like there's a, there's a very uh, erudite style that, that comes along with Spalding gray. Um, and he, he does like law, like the long setup that you know the payoff is coming, so you're patient with the descriptions. And lawyers like Berbiglia sounds like he's a drunk dude at a party who's talking too long until you realize that he's been setting up a long game punchline that's going to blow your yeah. mind. Yeah, and I really, really, really love Berbiglia. His, he did a show for Netflix which sucked, but all the rest of his performances. He did a movie. The mo- you talking about the movie? No, he did stand. One of his early Netflix standups was sort of like. It oh, just, it you should watch his movie he made, which is a not which is. So he did a he does a standup show called Sleepwalk with Me. Yeah, I saw that show live, and it's incredible. That's right, great. and it's That's fantastic. Yeah, but he actually made a movie movie about the story of him oh, yeah. getting yeah, into I comedy. Have not seen that yet. I heard that's great. Yeah, and you should watch that one. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, is it on Netflix? It might be on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, it, it's rentable for sure. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not hard again. That's that a, one's an interesting one. I haven't one. seen that one yet. And uh, and yeah, he is uh, like the, because his his show, his stand-up show uh, of that, the, the car crash, the girlfriend, all that stuff. Like, yeah. like it actually brought the audience to tears in the end. Oh yeah. It's really wild. Well, what's interesting is that that's something that, you know, Brady wanted to, because he really gets into stand-up comedy. He loves stand-up comedy and he started getting to my Biblia and he was really enjoying it. Yeah. And I was, I was like, this is going to get uncomfortable because there's some weird stuff that he talks about. <laughs> it's true. Well, sure. I don't know this guy and I don't feel bad because I don't know him, but oh, I don't know. I, yeah, no, but you know what? Actually, do you have to tell you about Eric? Because I don't know. I don't Eric, know. do you okay. have Spotify? Because his uh, Sleepwalk With Me audio version is on Spotify and it's fantastic. Terrific. All right. But he does so what, like, he's great. So he looks sort of like a like a Matt Damon knockoff. Like he looks he looks this weird dopey looking guy. And nope, not, I love Matt Damon. Yeah. But he looks kind of like a dopey Matt Damon, <laughs> you know. Okay. Um but his and his delivery is sort of like a little bit slow, a little rambling. Yeah. Right. And and he'll tell stories where he's a total dumbass. So like right. the the feeling that you get is like this dumb guy telling you a story that you realize there's a smart angle on and it makes you feel like he makes you feel smart because he's taking the hit of the story. And it's a really genuine, uh, generous kind of comedy. Yes. And I really, really appreciate that guy. I think it's, it's, he's really unique in the scene. right now. Yeah. And it's long form storytelling as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes like, there's a genuine thread that goes through the whole thing. Right. But anyway, Spalding Gray is obviously a fantastic person in the, in the, uh, fantastic raconteur as they say yes, right. uh and i love so he's introduced to the, as the uh one of the the heads of the veracore corporation um and his wife who was running the fashion show and uh david byrne is invited to their house for dinner at which point they have this perfect beautiful spread of food <laughs> in front of them mm-hmm. and they're sitting last supper style in front of dinner uh and the at the head of the table is Spalding Gray, the two kids on either side of him, and one end of the table of his wife, and the other end of the table is David Byrne. And the parents, seemingly not in any animosity, do not talk to each other directly, but ask the kids to ask the mother to do this, even <laughs> right. though they're sitting right next to each other. Right. And it was rumored that they never talked to each other directly. Right. But they seem right. to be all sort of yeah, in accordance. A really northeast. Oh, yeah. 
definitely a uh, Westchester County kind of. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's two steps from American Beauty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that or, 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 or the Hamptons somewhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. Ice storm material for sure. For sure. Yeah. No, so, actually, the one was with Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, uh, which, Ordinary People. Yeah. Yeah. Great fucking movie, man. I just rewatched that. That's better than I remembered. Um, but what's really interesting is that I believe well, the, they start asking questions about the economy, mm -hmm. at which Spalding Gray decides to talk about how the town is growing through the Vericor Corporation and uses the food on the table as props for his illustration. Right. Wow. And there's a great overhead shot where as he's talking about the different parts of the company, the plates represent the different parts of the, or of the economy. The plates right. represent the different parts and they light up from underneath magically yes, as they go glorious, through Glorious, holy light. Yeah, like, and here's how the lobster spins. So it actually the things a, of this. Yeah, yeah. And then he throws asparagus up in the air and yeah. this glorious. It's just <laughs> a, a scene. wonderful scene. Yeah, I love good, that scene. Good, that's a great gag. That's really yeah. good. You know that like they're at a blast filming that one because like, I can imagine a sitting in a room with Spalding Gray and uh, and David Byrne is about mm -hmm. as interesting as it possibly gets. Like, yeah, maybe add David Bowie to the mix, and then your head explodes. <laughs> yep, <laughs> uh, but mm -hmm. they're clearly having a good time, and it's also one of the most like produced moments in the movie, and it really it it really shines because it goes from this complete banal nonsense, right, and it's uplifted to this very strange arty experience. That's really right, something great, great, great gag. Right. And then the go ahead, yeah, Eric. Uh, you guys saw that Chuck Close died. Yes, I uh, read your. I read the thing you said. I was very touched by that. I thought it was. Yeah, I agree completely. That I sent to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, fell, I fell asleep in the middle of writing back to you. I'm sorry I didn't send it. No, <laughs> I, I, just, I was just telling I actually you. Actually, forgot I wrote you. But yes, yeah. I was yeah. having a discussion with a painter friend of mine, and and he was just, you know, um, it, yeah. And I remember him in New York, you know, seeing him get out of his car with a wheelchair, and I'd be like, God, that guy's. I mean, he was pretty freaking incredible. Um, there's not, you know, we need a lot more of those, but yeah, it'll it's come. hard to come by. It's hard to come by. That's one once in a while. That's a once in a while thing. Now, I knew something I didn't know, but he has a disease where he can't remember faces. Oh, really? He has a neurological problem. Oh, and that's, that's why he he gritted out and would paint people's faces. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. So he can remember them. I love, I'm fascinated by that stuff. There's a, uh, uh, there's a PBS did a great special on that with, uh, I forgot the guy's name. Uh, Steven Seagal? Yeah, no, not the Steven Seagal one, but the, rather the guy that's a neurophysicist. <laughs> okay, close. <laughs> yes. Um, I'll have to look it up. I'll, I'll, uh, he just says say, the name of the disease is prosapo. I want to say. Yeah, prosac prosa prosaponia. Prosoposia. Uh, Prosoposia. I'm gonna. He's gonna. He's probably yelling at the other end of his screen, trying to tell me how to pronounce it. And saying, uh, v, uh, the guy I'm thinking of is uh, V. S. Ramachandran. <laughs> uh, v. S. Ramachandran. Face blindness. There you go. Face That's what. <laughs> yeah. uh, I knew a DD who had that when I was working on. Oh really? Uh, yeah. When I was working on uh, Day After Tomorrow, he was a TD. Uh, and I forgot his name, but he definitely like he almost didn't remember me from day to day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it was I, weird. God, did I know that guy? 
I don't know if I knew that guy. That's interesting. Yeah. I can't remember what he looks like. Who, who was it? Mm, yeah. When I started talking and saw him, and then he knew who I was. It was weird. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, if anyone's interested in this stuff, I would say look up um, PBS. Look up a guy named V.S. Ramachandran. Uh, he also wrote some great books on this stuff, and it's really sort of spectacular. That uh, because like the sort of the pipelines in the brain that connect memories to faces to all the stuff, like you can just cut them. You can, and, yes, and it can really. It's weird what a mechanism the brain is in that way. Yes, yeah, really, really fascinating. I did not know that was true for close. That's interesting. But it puts everything into yeah. context now. That's so, interesting. Oh, yeah. Are there are there any uh, living artists like that that uh, are even in that ballpark for you? In terms of Giante, yeah. yeah. For me, I and I can get slammed by it, but I don't fucking care. Um, is there's there's a couple, and believe it or not, um, there's three painters that I think are just fucking giants, mm -hmm. and uh, two of them I knew or I know, mm -hmm. and one is a guy named Vincent Desiderio. I worked with him in the eighties. Oh yeah, you pointed me towards Desiderio. And his stuff's at the Met. I own one of his pieces. It's upstairs. He gave it to me, mm -hmm. and then a guy named Cesar Santos, who I know. I have one of his pieces upstairs, and then the other guy, if you see the book behind me. Says R A U C H. Oh yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Neo yep. Rao, N E O, yep. and his last name's R A U C H. He is, my, oh, he's a giant man. He is, and everyone's like, well, it's not. It's like there is. It's like, it's this surrealism. Meet. It's so beautiful, right. and the guy to me is so inspiring as a painter. It's like uh, uh, Max Beckman meets yep. like, uh, you know. Not Pollock, but Max Beckman meets, uh, you know, Desiderio meets uh, de Kooning. There's something yep. to this guy's storytelling that just blows me away. That's awesome. And people are like, well, it's not perfect form and human figure. It's like, who cares? Uh, they are huge uh, yep. paintings. And, and downtown, the art gallery downtown in LA, uh, the uh, the big one that looks like a big piece of cheese. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, has oh, a, oh, the, the, the brand. The Broad. Broad. The Broad, yeah. The Broad. Yeah, he, they have five of them. And Stone they are broad. huge. But if you look up, and I'll send a thing, Neil Rao. I have a movie of his, and it's awesome. His studio is – but the guy lives in an old light, works in an old light bulb factory in uh, Leipzig, East mm -hmm. Germany. And he is East German. He lost his parents when he was eight. And – uh, and they went out on a date and a trolley car crashed. Ugh. And there is this whole thing about his just childhood. But honestly, the colors are like old movies posters. If you mm. look at the work, there's something about the contrast of the colors and the subject matter. It's really beautiful and allegorical. It's just, and he have this book I have, he signed. Nancy got it for me as a gift 10 years ago. It's huge. And it's like, you see how big it is? And you open it up and Maybe I'll open up the end of this podcast and show you. It's fucking, this guy is like, you can just, magical painter, man. So yeah, there are people like that. I'm uh, I'm looking at uh, his stuff right now and I agree with you. Yeah, spectacular. Wow, the colors are fantastic. I My thing is, and I had this discussion with somebody who worked for, when I worked on this movie, uh, Independence Day 2. And nice. the German. Speaking uh, of works of art. Yeah. <laughs> but there was a German guy that worked for the director and he was, and I was like, this really, there's a kind of a, it, there's a film quality to it. 
you know? And he's like, that's ridiculous. But I feel like the colors are colors used in old movies. Yeah, in, yeah, in posters. Old books, uh, like old books, 19, 1940s um, hardcover books use this kind of. Uh, yeah, and I was value. like, there's something nostalgic really about it that I wonder if the ads on the side of the trolley car inspired mm -hmm. him. Because yeah. his parents died in a trolley car. And that right, was my right. theory. There's like a tie-in, something to do with his palate. And I don't know. So, you, but here's the deal. Chuck Close did the faces because he couldn't remember people's faces. Right. He paints with maybe the colors from the ads on the trolley cars because it brings back, because he was an only child and he lost his parents one night. And now he has a wife and a son, but it's like, there's something, everything interconnects and you just have to stop and say, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But that interconnectedness voice of what I'm missing and what I compensate is missing from films. Right. Yeah. I get, I, I mean, this is what we were talking about earlier. It's like, you see movies like true stories and it reminds you of having uh, a, an artist behind the camera that has an idea that they want to get across is different than watching Black Widow. Like, <laughs> like, like, I actually just have a case. I actually have a thing. Mm -hmm. If I think a lot of, there are a lot of great filmmakers out there, okay? They are. Uh, if they just said to themselves, instead of this being a career, how about I just make just one perfect film in the context of which I would make it? So right. I'm not thinking of career. If I make this, then I could probably get this. Yeah, you just want to get this work of art. Just say what I need to right. say and not worry about my career. Well, and, this is the thing. Yeah, because I think I think you're right in that like the because I mean uh, uh, um, David Byrne never made another movie, never directed. I don't think he directed any other movies. I don't think, I don't so. think he did. Yeah, uh, and you have uh, yeah, people like Charles Law uh, Lawton. You know uh, when he made um, uh, uh, what's it? Uh, Love hate. Uh, Night of the Night of the Hunter. Oh you know. God, that is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's just an absolute masterpiece. You don't need to make another movie after the like, hey man, one and done. That's great. You know, sweet you smell, it. success, sweet smell. Ah, sweet. That is like, I didn't see that until recently. That is a, an incredibly good movie. Um, but yeah, like there's a, there's definitely something to be said for that. I think that the like the the state that we're in right now, and the thing that irritates me, I guess, when I watch because like Black Widow is a perfectly good entertaining but it's it's a great it's a good bit of entertainment and i understand people totally getting a kick out of it like this action it's fun you know all this stuff but like it is it is a it is uh the result of excellent production you know and uh and the studio did a really nice job making a studio film you know and it uh whoever the hell directed it who cares you know the woman that directed it uh is an indie filmmaker who i haven't seen her stuff Apparently made really interesting indie films, but clearly they could give a shit. Like they, they pulled her out of obscurity because they need somebody to fill in the slot of this giant production that they have already scheduled. And mm. the kind of movie that you get is something that has been heavily scheduled. Uh, and, uh, and to, I would love to see, like, can you imagine, what would a superhero movie look like if it were made like true stories? Like, what would you end up with? Or true like, romance, or yeah, because I'm just like you. Just go, like, there's an opinion here, you know. The closest we get is like it isn't. I don't think this is a great movie, but it's a pretty. It was a it was a breath of fresh air compared to Black Widow is Suicide Squad, which I you know you you did not like. Uh, like I thought it was 
pretty good and pretty entertaining. And, and it's still a studio product, you know, like people are like, Oh my God, it's so daring. I'm just like, it's daring within the bounds of a studio org chart, you know, very definitely, yes. you know, like this is, they, they calculated this to how much they can get away with and they nailed it. And it's great. It's very funny. I thought it was a very funny movie. That sounds like an <laughs> off Broadway show. But, you know, I, it reminds me, I, I went to, I went to, uh, um, Henry St. Engels a long time ago with a friend of mine who is also uh, an architect, obviously. Uh, Henry St. Engels has some fantastic architecture books. And uh, <laughs> it was a guy who was there who uh, was not an architect, but he was a, a real estate agent, right? So he used to sell like, you know, suburban homes from cent for century 21 right so mm -hmm. to him his idea of architecture is how do you sell a house with crown molding and you know <laughs> right, fourth, right, right. fourth room above garage right. benefits you know those types of things right so i was like okay and so he was looking through this architecture book right and he was like this is crazy they put a fireplace in the middle of the room <laughs> and, I'm like, and i was like he was like just thought it was insane and i was like so uh, and then I was like, you think that's and so then I go to the thing. That's I was crazy. Like, yeah, let me go show you some, you know, some architecture. I think that's crazy because your head's the, about to I, Yeah, I showed it. I showed him stuff by you know Morphosis and by right. you know early Frank Gehry. It's, he'd yeah. never seen anything like that before. Yeah, it's like, fucking mind. -bending. What the fuck? Like, that's, like that's he was really like weird. Yeah, exactly. Zahid and and all this stuff. And so he's looking at this and he's like just his concept is his mind was blown but to me i think that you know to, back to the analogy that you you were talking about it's like when they're talking about you know uh um uh, uh suicide squad being daring that's the the fireplace in the middle of the room it's as opposed to because yeah. what we're talking about is a morphosis building that like right right, right. exactly because <laughs> let's, like, like, let's take I'll, you a little bit further this is like i'm i'm perfectly like i was i was very happy with it i, I thought like if i were to be really critical of suicide squad i would say like it's a little structureless and doesn't have anything to say but it was very funny and i liked all the characters i thought it was it was a fun watch and i i'm a fan of gore and stuff like that so it was it was silly in an entertaining way um but it's like for me it's like there's nothing actually shocking in this like a, this is not even remotely on my level of like my outer boundary of shocking um uh and uh and i'm glad that people were shocked by it i'm glad that people liked that they were shocked by it that's great but if that is shocking there's much further you can go <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of room to experience yeah uh and i think that this is the this because is they've minimum. been fed that 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 formula for so long yeah, it's exactly. like oh i've been I, eating i've been eating mcdonald's hamburgers right. for all my life and suddenly i'm introduced to another slightly better burger yeah and you're like oh my god it's oh my god like, it's yeah that burger is amazing right. yeah. it's like really so, well, have you tried filet so mignon before exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm not gonna knock mcdonald's i also like mcdonald's you know like um, i like i mean i like you know i, can, I like i will defend at least uh half of marvel's movies i really think they're great and I love, and I will, I will definitely go to bat. For well, it's the first, this, this, it's a problem I have for them is I think I'm with you. I don't necessarily have a problem with the specific movies. I have a problem yeah. that that's the only thing they're making. Yeah. It's like, this is, all, it's all just a uniform. It's a, just a very uniform experience now. And right. it, like it's lost any sense of originality and it's all very predictable. And so that, and, and I feel like the, as audiences, we have a little bit of a Stockholm syndrome 
going on where we've been held hostage by Marvel films and Star Wars films for so long that we defend the, their loss. We're just like, don't make fun of Avengers. <laughs> just like, yeah, I'm not trying to make fun of Avengers. I'm trying to say like, why don't we break out and start doing something well, a little more flavorful than where we're at. There is hope that things are being made that are different and they're mm -hmm. not for everyone. Like for example, we were, you know, chatting on about this earlier. The movie Pig is a movie yeah. that oh, yeah. is coming out. Page, yeah. That yeah. trailer looks so looks beautiful. Great. Yeah. That you look at that and you're like, mm hmm. So yeah. there are movies that are being made that would Absolutely. never have been made otherwise. Yeah. And but yeah, this no, is I'm not gonna be old fogey about it. Like this, there's this is just a way of yes. going through. Yes. Like so absolutely. but what what I do think is interesting because I've I've been having a lot of conversations with people recently about stuff on a different way of saying this case, but mm -hmm. it definitely seems like there are what's going on in the movie industry right now is you're either working on a Marvel film mm -hmm. or a Star Wars film or a Marvel series for, or, or whatever on Disney plus, right. or you're working on a bazillion things that are happening on streaming networks that are, yes. that are experimental and weird. Right. Right. There's exactly. nothing in between there, 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 there is not that much room for the, I mean, Every now and then you'll have Villeneuve do something with Dune or you'll have Chris Nolan do something, but there is not that much room for those things anymore. Right. Like a big, interesting movie. The, the, right. the, the days of an out of Africa type movie are gone. Right. The, you know, like those, those types of expensive prestige is gone, 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 gone. Yeah. Like, Amadeus. You're not going to see an Amadeus see for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And which right? is, you know, like, you know, like again, these things these things will come around again, but in a totally different media environment than we're in right now. Right. Like, there will there will be an Amadez, but it won't be for movie theaters. It'll be some other. No, theater. but you are still. I'm 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 happy that there is a world where people movies like Pig are getting made. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. And I think I feel like yeah. It's and and like, the same with the same with like listen, David Byrne did this movie. Mm -hmm. How the hell do you pitch this thing? Yeah, he, he did. He get, probably just took his "Stop Making Sense" money and, and made <laughs> just it. Went shot yeah, it. just shot, shot it, right? So, so that's right. a thing, that, right? Right. So, so anyway. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that there's like there's there's a growing space for non-theatrical, experimental, uh, richer material. Like, Do you yeah. think that's, that's going to come in games? Uh, I think it's already here in games. It's just uh, it's all indie, like it's all super indie and all fun stuff. Yeah. Like you can't get more boring than AAA games. AAA games are all the same game. Like they they can be very good. Like Red Dead Redemption Two is uh, uh, is incredibly well done, beautifully executed, very fun game. Um, but it's to the point where like they have no choice but to do everything at a certain level, which limits because there's so much money and so many people. It limits the kind of game that it is. Like you can't get super experimental when you make that. But if you have like five guys. You know, you know, and in your garage, literally, and you can just put together a game and throw it up on Steam, then you can get really weird. And I think that there's the one thing that I guess where I was going is like that that exists as a possibility for film right now, but no, but it is not yet being taken advantage of. So I'm going to slightly disagree with you about games because I do believe that there, I, I see your point, but it's not all true because amongst those AAA games, there are movie. There are games that are AAA coming out, like Last of Us, which mm -hmm. is not 
not not this not the formula that you expect i don't think yeah like i think i think the gameplay is that is the same formula i guess that's what i'm talking about like i think that there's storytelling okay to both last of us and last of us 2 that are pretty like last of us 2's storytelling is uh it, it to me isn't particularly radical but like caused a major rift because it was even slightly in the direction of radical and because mm-hmm. like they decided to uh to fracture the narrative into an entirely different perspective and people really got mad about it. And uh, that for me, I'm just like, this is not, this wouldn't even rate as like, if you're talking about films or novels or something like this, like it's something you literally do even in the most run of the mill Marvel movie, you do this kind of stuff. (laughs) But for games, it was shocking that triple a was like when we're going to tell a story that's you kind of play the bad guy and people are just like no and they lost their fucking minds so (laughs) because they have preset ideas like this is the this is the same with we were talking about with marvel movies it's like this is the stockholm syndrome of this where because you write because like when i talk about like we could do mainstream films could be more than marvel right people think that i hate marvel movies which i don't you know, like, and this is the Scorsese Marvel argument, right? It's like, I think that Marvel movies, like many of the Marvel movies are totally fucking incredible. Like I'm i I'm a big fan of, uh, of, uh, I didn't like Endgame that much, but I really liked, um, uh, Infinity War, which I thought is a, a really great studio, super explosion movie. Um, I love Dr. Strange. I love, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I love, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, not civil war, but the, uh, um, winter soldier. I think these are, these are legit great, great studio action pictures. Like they're really, they're deep, they're well-made and incredibly good. So I'm not saying anything against any of these movies. And I think that the, the lowest they go is pretty good. Like Black Widow, which I didn't enjoy at all. I didn't enjoy it because I've already seen all of this done before. Not because it wasn't well-made. It's well-made. And if I had never seen it before, I would have gone, oh, that's really good. But the fact is I've seen it in every other single Marvel movie. So when I say that people have Stockholm syndrome, it's that they are in love with this stuff and they don't know where they can go from here because it's ending. And they're like, fuck, I'm in love with something that's dying. And I come in and say, let it die. And then they get mad at me. Like, and they defend this thing that doesn't need defense. It's already won. You don't need to defend the fucking Marvel movies. They're dying. And that's okay. They were, it was lovely when they were alive, but let's have some new movies. So you take that and then you apply it to video games and it's a whole different experience. Like people love their third person uh, dialogue tree shooters. You have to stop to watch a cutscene every time you go and do a mission. They love it. And if you say, maybe we could do something else or maybe you play a bad guy, like half the audience goes, you know, you're stupid and girls shouldn't play games. <laughs> and you just go, Okay, guys, I think you got to get outside a little more. So that's the thing. I, I do think that there is within the, like, especially with Red Dead Redemption 2, within the setting of Red Dead Redemption 2, there's an enormous amount of extremely daring stuff that's happening, but they have to slide it in under a very, very attractive cover. Whereas, like, when uh, the game that I showed you before we started this podcast, uh, Cruelty Squad, like, it's like, this is made by, I don't know, I can't imagine it's made by more than. 15, 20 people. Um, and that comes out guns blazing, fuck you, punk. And I was like, thank you. 
<laughs> thank you for offending me. Thank you for being so ugly. Thank you for being so noisy. Because I, 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 it is refreshing to not see something beautifully rendered. And that's what I, I feel that about movies and I feel that about games and I feel that about all art. Like, please come in and slap me as hard as you can if you have the ability to do so. One of the big problems I have with the Marvel movies is more, um, I, I have a real issue with uh, key light on the shoulders on green screen. Don't you though? That's actually a great metaphor. <laughs> I just when I see it, I'm like, "Fuck green screen!" Fucking oh, green screen. It's there's too it. cool. CTV. Did, uh, did, did you see? There's the shot that was being shot, run around Twitter, and I'm sure that we know the people that did the scene. So I'm not going to bitch about the effects. The effects are actually flawless. But there's a scene in Black Widow where Black Widow is talking to her sister, and it's at a bench at a picnic outside in a in a regular place at night. And it was shot on green screen. And they put out, like, look at all these amazing effects we did. We shot this on green screen. You didn't even know. And I was like, we knew. why did you shoot that on green screen? <laughs> yeah. like, that costs, like, at least 400 times as much. By doing. There's no way you save money doing that. You know, like, you're shooting a, like, the scene itself is just, like, A, B coverage photography. Like, there's nothing happening visually. It's just, like, here's a picture of Scarlet but People Fancy. do that all the time, though. I'm just like, what it like why why are we proud of this like hey i have to it's do this just that you see these big action scenes with the for me it's the black levels on like debris flying oh, yeah. and then the oh, key fill and then grab my sword and like explosion right. and then some big thing crushes the ground and the sh shards go all over it's like Okay, where was this shot? Burbank or yeah, exactly. You know, and it, or like, London. Well, and it's I, was, I just immediately I think on, of what I was doing for work when we were working Most on still do, uh, uh, when we were working on Infinity War. Uh, there was a shot that we that came in, Chris. I'm sure you know the shot. It's like you know, you know, it's the fight in Wakanda, right? And it's like Thanos is there and whatever. And we're getting these plates, and it's like, uh, you know, here's Josh Brolin, and he's wearing an ultra wide plastic. Uh, set of shoulders and a stick coming out the top of his head with a Thanos picture on it to get the head, the head right. And it's, it's looks like it's shot in maybe some producer's you know yard up in the Hills. And I was like, this fine, you know, it's, it's totally great. But I was just like, it's weird that that's the first thing they thought of. They're just like, like, well, this is all, we're just going to fucking make all this up in CG later. It's all, we're going to design the fight and post. So, you know, let's just shoot it on my lawn and have a barbecue. And I think that, like, that is, like, they made a good movie. Like I said, I really enjoyed that movie. Uh, but the mindset behind that of, it's the production scheduling mindset uh, that creates that film. Like, there's not, there's not a, the artist behind that, that movie is Kevin Feige. And I mean that sincerely. Like, the organization and the, and the producing and the single-mindedness of character, flavor, and tone that he's delivering over the course of 25 plus movies it's never been done before it's the greatest event in production history like times 10 like you can't cleopatra all that stuff pales in comparison to what feige pulled off and i'm in awe of it like and it's no bullshit yeah. but we shouldn't follow that as an artistic model like he was very successful and he's a genius and he created something truly great but that is not a model to base your 
your own filmmaking on. Like true stories is a model to base your filmmaking on. Well, it's corporate art. Yeah, and it can which be great. Into, which I'm can not, be good. It can be great. I'm not, and like like I said, I, these are good movies. But like, uh, speaking of corporate art, you know that basically Terry Allen is an artist who makes a lot of sculptures that are in airports and stuff. <laughs> yeah, see, there you go, man. Hey, you got to pay the bills. And he has a well. No, he actually has a song about that. I love it. He says, I, "I used to be a well." Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. Get but, into it. That's a great. Yeah. <laughs> you love this. You like you bring up the Texas thing all the time. Yeah, this yeah. is a heart issue for you. That yeah. album is a heart issue. This movie is a heart issue for you. Like you should feel free. I rant all the time. Feel free. Yeah. No. It's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's um. I'll have to find a actual lyrics today. so this is the one i'm going to give out who gets the, the sketch uh no, it's going to be jay so jay, jay make sure you email us there we um, go there is what i'll do it's the true stories one beautiful there you go jay yeah and speaking of jay uh says we used to consume this stuff uh uh, to be uh, moved and grow from it. And now we're just mice pressing the lever to get the pellet. Uh, we lose it when we don't get the pellet. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> well a very said. good analogy. <laughs> well a very said. good analogy. Yeah, and then yeah. here's how I feel about making Marvel films. And I'm going to read you the, the lyrics to the song. And the song is called We, oui, as in the French word for yes. And the name of the song is We, oui, a French song. And so it goes, We, 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 We. And you have to listen to the whole thing. And it says, well, I, uh, I gave up all my sculpturing because my life had gone all sad. I went down to the factory. It weren't art. And I went down to work at the factory. It weren't art, but it weren't bad. They oh, put yeah. me on the assembly line, putting plastic leaves on the plaster palms. Then they shipped them off to Los Angeles. It ain't art, but it ain't wrong. <laughs> yeah, man, man. Yeah. Some say it's pathetic when you give up your aesthetic for a blue-collar job in the factory. But all that exhibiting is just too damn inhibiting for a beer-drinking regular guy like me. No, oh, hey, amen. Amen. So all amen. I got to say is that song is just one of the songs on the Lubbock album. Lubbock and I album. highly recommend you guys listen to that one. It is one story after another of uh, beauty. I actually had a dream that I would make a series of short films all based on songs from that one album. Yeah. Um, we should but, do that. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and uh, so I do want to, because the, the, speaking of that, the, the, one of the things that happened to me, and I explained this in the story many times, so you guys are going to have to sort of, re, you know, you guys were listening to the podcast, you're going to have to re go through this again. But basically, uh, when I get introduced to Texas, it's because my dad gave me that album, right? And he gave it to me at, for my drive down from New York to Texas. And I sort of feel, what the hell is going on? And I started realizing that these, this is a town full of storytelling or mm -hmm. a state full of storytelling. And that's a big thing, especially with Terry Allen. He's actually not from Texas. He's from California, but he talks about uh, some of that stuff. Uh, and in any case, uh, it made me realize that this is a, you know, Texas is a place that is a little bit different. And then you can't really appreciate it until you live there for a little bit and start to experience it on your own. You know, there's places that are good to visit and places that are good to live. And Texas is a place that's good to live. Um, but one of the things that is so remarkable about it and try to figure what about out Kabul? I, I don't know about live. Kabul. I've never been there. Probably not at the moment. Obviously, not at the but moment, yes. but uh, I, I, I'm, I will say, you know, basically uh, what happens towards the end of the movie is that basically there is a, 
a uh, they set up a big stage for doing a, a variety show or a talent show for the celebration of specialness. And uh, it is opened up by Spalding Gray doing a classic Spalding Gray monologue. And he talks about uh, a story about Texas. And it's a beautiful story because I started, I completely got it after living in Texas. And basically the story is, he says, I heard these guys at a local tavern that were telling a story about Texas. And the story goes that God created, was creating the earth and he was working on Texas. And he it was the end of the day and was really late. He says, don't worry, don't worry. I'll come back tomorrow. I'll put in the mountains and the rivers and I'll make it all pretty and everything. And don't worry, tomorrow I'll be, I'll be back. I'm going to get Texas looking great. And then he, he came back the next day and realized that the ground had hardened like concrete. <laughs> and he goes, I know what I'll do. I'll make people who like it that way. <laughs> that's the greatest line. <laughs> and so that's yeah. the story. And I was like, <clears throat> that line, first of all, is brilliant. And it's absolutely true. And once you start doing there and you look at shots of like Paris, Texas, mm -hmm. then you start to go, oh, shit. Yeah, I get it. 100%. It's beautiful. 100%. It, it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful in its desolation. And they celebrate that in the movie specifically where they do that long shot where you see the, the houses that are fading out there, uh, which is kind of amazing. Another great shot in, uh, in, in, in True Stories, which I believe is just one long take, and if I, 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 I'm pretty sure it is. It starts off with Spalding Gray and David Byrne walking down, inspecting the construction of the, these suburban homes, right? You see all these guys sort of sitting around taking a coffee break and doing things. And they're kind of just joking around, looking at things. And then you look at this empty field of nothingness and Spalding Gray tells you the potential of all of this land. Yeah. <laughs> of what's yeah, going yeah. to happen here with what's all of this happen? stuff. That's right. And look at all mind-blowing and they're like oh okay and you're like is it bad or is it good no to him it sounds like oh look all these dreams will come true on this That's empty right. concrete lots look at of, this wonderful place right and then it kind of you know pan, camera keeps going and you see these kids the best shot in the film by the way Go ahead. these kids that are just rummaging around amongst the trash and everything else hmm. start banging on some pipes and tools and they start singing which which song is it that they're singing uh i, I, I actually have a list up i can't remember the name but yes yeah it's terrific they're it's all singing and there's the the mix of kids that are like the young little girl the big fat dopey kid yeah you know, every kind of kid and that's they just available walk through the scene <laughs> walk through the scene and so start incredible. hey now Hey now, what's the uh, song? God, I forgot the name of the song. Anyway, yeah, it is. It, it's tip top, man. That's, yeah, I, I was just like, yeah, this guy's a better filmmaker than he's letting on. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. And you're know, like, and to my kids, unfortunately, that was confusing because, again, you know, not not to uh, not to uh, 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 disparage my kids, but to them, they're used to the pellet in the way using Jay's. Uh, language yes. here right yes they're they, used they, to the palette and they weren't getting the palette they're like what the fuck is this this I, is i'm gonna say you know. <laughs> i am envious of them i'm envious of them because there is nothing better than when you find the thing that breaks you away from the pellet like it's coming there it will come it will best. but it they the but listen my kids also like they're, they're into 
like Brady oh, now, Mike Babiglia is not the pellet, right? Absolutely. And he, he gets Absolutely. it, right? You yeah. know, and and to be and also, uh, Lily brought us uh, Promise Neverland, which Promise I Neverland, love. right? Yeah, exactly. but that's that's that, that. But I think that's the that's what's breaking the pellets now, right? Like Absolutely. the kids out there, 100%. and and it's it's also a popular thing. There's a lot of kids out there are like anime is big, and then it's the, anime is the new D and D, right? In a lot sure. of ways. Yeah. Um, at least that popular yeah absolutely. did you see the trailer that was it studio ghibli that did some another uh, a movie that's a star wars a part of a star wars thing i don't know i have nothing no. else to... yeah Stop and i man. watched it and i was like okay it's very anime and it's all about star wars and i'm like i looked at it with lily i was like tell me what you think she goes it looks amazing but it doesn't feel right like why the thing that's good about anime is that it's all very original thoughts. It's like you're shoehorning a franchise and trying to just make it work I mean, that way. I would love to see Star Wars approached in the same way they approach uh, Evangelion, for instance, or huh. Evangelion, I think is what you said. But right. like, I've watched all of Neon Genesis Evangelion and I watched the new movie. And like, I've watched, which means I've watched about 20 plus hours of this movie now. Right. And I have, I, can't with any clarity tell you what happens in that story right like it's it's so abstracted uh and so it's both abstract and insanely dense at the same time uh and uh and i i think that there is like there's something like it took me a while to get into the groove of it where you just go like this isn't really a story this is illustrated feelings and uh, once and which I'm used to in uh, art, in all other forms of art. In fact, I'm used to it in movies in a totally different context. But I'm not. In, I'm not used to it in animated films. And uh, and once you get into the zone on it, it's really amazing. Right. Once you get there, but Lily is totally right. Like if you if you watch, you know, if I were if I were to get a Star Wars style story told in even uh, Evangelion art, I'd be like you're wasting the best part of Evangelion. Like mm -hmm. the fact that, that Evangelion is like having a weird dream about your internal landscape. And, uh, and if you want to make a Star Wars movie like that, then that'll be the best Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, but they're not going to do that. Lily's right. They're going to make a Star Wars movie franchise style, number six with a large Coke. Like that is what they're going to do. <laughs> yep. I like that. Number six with a large coke. Number six with a large coke. Would you like yes. to supersize it? Yes, I would. <laughs> yes, I would. Is there any other Star Wars? Yes, there's only supersized Star Wars. I'm yes. sorry. Yes. It uh, comes with a Death Star for free, <laughs> and it yeah. automatically explodes at the end. Okay, so 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 that is obviously you know like the story about Texas and Spalding Gray is great. The performances during the 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 show are also fantastic. Oh, we didn't talk about another fascinating character, the woman who lives in the oh, Susie Kurtz. Susie Kurtz. Kurtz. Let's say a watch of TV. Right. Was, she is so rich that she never gets out of bed. And she just what consumes TV. Yeah, I felt that that was very modern. I was like, yeah. Yeah, you can replace this with the entirety of the internet, and that's how we live now. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's it's, it's Facebook, right? You're just sitting there looking at Facebook, um, and uh, she watches John Goodman mm -hmm. sing his song mm -hmm. and gets out of bed to call him. Yep. At which point, 
John Goodman marries her and yep. gets in bed with her. Yep. And they're just in bed. They're married in bed. Like they're it's just, just quite amazing. Just like that. Just like mm-hmm. that. She she broke free of the pellets. Yes. <laughs> right. She, she broke free of the pellets. It's like yeah. that's a happy story. It's a very happy yeah. story. Oh, and the guy who did the voodoo was also amazing. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I don't know where they got that dude, but he's yeah. He's yeah, great. that is that was um Papa um a famous uh, singer. Yeah, uh, yes. Staples. Yeah, so staple singer. Yeah. yeah he is I love what he was like. Basically, you know, he's saying, I, I know I need something to help find love for my or for to help me with my performance tomorrow, etc. This is John Goodman. Sorry. John Goodman goes to him. The character pops up all over the place. In fact, he is he is the servant of the woman who lives in the bed, right? Right. But the guy says, you know, I need somebody to help me with my performance. Or John Goodman goes up to him, says, I need somebody to help me with my performance. And this this old black man says, like, yeah, you know, here, I, I got this whole thing that I'm going to do to you. And it seems like some voodoo ritual. And goes, well, I don't know how this one is like, you don't have to believe. You just have to do the steps. <laughs> That's right, my man. I love that. You don't have to believe it. a line that means something. <laughs> that means something, right? Don't You don't have to believe it. You just, if you just follow the, re- the rules, you can't miss. But you don't have to believe it. <laughs> And that was quite yeah that was something that was that is a line about religion that's very subtle in there <laughs> yeah no, that's good business man i like that yeah. i like that quite a bit i'm, uh, I'm posting in chat right now and my i uh, was looking up the true stories uh soundtrack list and i came to the page with a poster of true stories on it and uh i just want to say if you look at that uh upside down john goodman looks like brad pitt i thought it was a poster of brad pitt oh right <laughs> yep that looks like Brad Pitt and Inglorious Bastards. And I was like, wait, wait, Brad Pitt's not in this movie. Oh shit, that's John Goodman. <laughs> yep. yep. There you go. So uh and then comes to the the very end of the movie, which is bookended with the same shot from the beginning of the movie of the little girl uh uh singing um uh, on the on the road. She's humming. What's the song that she's humming? It's uh City of Dreams, right? City of Dreams. Right. goes right into the yeah that's the outro for it so uh he says a saying that i has resonated with me so much and i continuously think about it especially anytime i go to a new place mm-hmm. which is about how what's strange is when you go to a new place you notice everything looks different that it's the best line there. the yep. you know the doorknobs are different the color of paper looks different mm-hmm. shutters look different everything looks different and you notice all these things and then after a few weeks you stop noticing, you stop them. noticing them right and i thought that was kind of brilliant and yeah, that was the one of the best lines in the movie yep. oh yeah and it's, it's like so something that you're reminding yourself that this is all fresh and new all the time is, right it's this is hard and I remember very specifically this line because I, I remember, uh, you know, my good friend, uh, Daniel Buck, who you guys know, and we created special merch for him. Uh, you know, I, I, I've known him uh, for a long, long time. Um, and when I first met him, he, he, had, he came from Louisiana. He never really traveled outside of Louisiana and, um, you know, moved to, to, to California. And it was a little bit different in California for him, et cetera, et cetera. But he had never left the country. And for some reason I was going to go to work in Sofia and he said he wanted to go to Sofia. He said, I've always wanted to go outside the United States. I was like, really? The first place you want to go that you leave the country, you're going to go to Sofia, Bulgaria. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. A different place. 
it's a very different place. Yeah, and to and I was like, I I kind of said I envy you because uh, he's going to have that experience where everything looks different, right? It's the best, mm -hmm. it's the best. And what he <laughs> what he said, he's like, what well, what do you want to see? We want to like, and he was like, he was just observing every like. The, exactly what he said in that movie the doorknobs are different the every, every you know the toilets look different everything looks different when you start to feel you know like this is strange you know uh one of the things places he wanted to visit there and this is only only someone like daniel buck would say this was where do you want to go and goes can we go to a hardware store <laughs> Yeah, that's right. See how the screws look different? Like, what is like, yep. you know, like every, a hinge looks different? Like, everything. Like, what do they sell at a hardware store? Yeah, for those who are listening, I would say that, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a person who believes in heroes, but Daniel Buck could be a hero. Oh yeah, <laughs> he is a hero in many many ways, and I, yeah. I believe that uh, yeah his his outlook is uh, is the is the appropriate one if you want to live a happy life. I think that it's a it's a way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a he's a he's a remarkable character uh, and a person and a very good friend. But um, but that thing of like the instinct of like you know going to Greece and like you have to see the Parthenon or whatever. It's like I want to see the hardware store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Because seeing it like it's not like this. Actually, this it says it very well. Like because uh, the Parthenon, we can agree that the Parthenon is amazing, and we can all agree on it because we have all seen many, 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 many pictures of the Parthenon. Sure. The Parthenon is Avengers Endgame of Greek architecture <laughs> okay <laughs> you know, like what you really want to see is what is the off-brand thing how right. how does it get weird because the weird stuff uh doesn't just show you itself it shows you the parthenon in a totally new way right mm -hmm. like it re-illuminates you the familiar and right. that is that that's ultimately what this movie uh uh did for me and sort of like admit like it's like to watch this and think through what i love about well, especially it, it turns the shopping mall into the parthenon it turns the shopping mall into the parthenon and the, it's like, the, this the is freeway to the right? cathedral you know yeah, exactly shart's cathedral is the freeway overpass so yes. yeah. you um, see the beauty in these in these things that you're numb to right and i feel i feel like you can like there's obvious thing like yes like we're definitely numb to freeway overpasses but we're right. also like we're also numb like currently we are numb to star wars like like and star yeah. wars when it came out was fucking mind-blowing like yeah. mind-blowing and now it is so uh the opposite of that that we don't even know what that would be to be mind-blowing and so to to find those other alleys like it suggests uh is the most powerful thing that's the most powerful choice you can make as an audience member and we should look for that all the time instead of trying to defend you know uh, uh, numbness. Yeah, Eric, were you a, were you a fan of the Talking Heads? Yeah, but yeah. Um, yes, I liked uh, the early stuff up until Remain in Light, and right. I actually played right. in a band where we played a lot of Talking Heads. So, oh, did like, you? Se Talking Heads '77, I pretty much, mm -hmm. uh, you know, could pull up. But uh, I did. I, I I liked at that period too. Like, oh yeah. I dug them, but I loved jam was the jam and the pretenders that yeah, English sure. thing, 
uh, the pretenders were the first three albums the first two albums with james simon scott jam all the jams albums so i was into that but i still love the talking heads and uh david byrne and uh tina weymouth so they were really incredible incredible yeah. band unique american band but i once they got onto like we're on the road to nowhere i was like uh, yeah that was the that was the same break that like the b52s had where you just go okay well you're doing a thing and i understand it's all it's a well-done thing but it's not my back right yeah uh, so but, uh, always respected uh david byrne sure I used to see him walk on, you see him ride his bike a lot he had a biking helmet with a raccoon tail off the back <laughs> That's so and good. he would like be walking in a neighborhood where I lived and I'd see him, but uh, I don't want to say hi, but it was like, you, you could see him. He's, he was pretty amazing guy. And yeah, he's uh, a cool he dude. was just, it goes to that whole like scene though. It's like, um, burn and Laurie Anderson, Lou Reed. Mm-hmm. Those all these guys are giants. And, um, they did some really incredible stuff, but that theater scene, you can see it in with those, you know, the popcorn models and stuff. Yeah. In, yeah. in the movie man oh man yeah like I think uh, he's an amazing stage designer i think he actually designed the stage Stop making the sense yeah 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 Stop I, i'm sure sense. yeah I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure he did i'm pretty sure he did yeah because yeah, i mean so, i'm sure he designed like he designed the stage that's in the end of this like that yeah, is very much all, in his, yeah yeah and then, like the best part about that stage is it's in the middle of nowhere. Like it's this, right. this big, beautiful cube, right? I mean, this refers to the the like the cubes and the and the box buildings and all this stuff. The stage that he's building mm-hmm. is a box building in the middle of nowhere, and it isn't until it's lit up that you go, "Oh, everything that's inside this box is beautiful." <laughs> yeah, you know? and it's really, it's really, really great. Really, really and also great. things that you didn't expect, you know to be art like the mm-hmm. the uh, or or performances like the the auctioneers oh yeah it's so, so out, yep that was like uh, okay that was quite great but um listen uh i want to we got to wrap it up a little bit because uh we're getting towards the end and i want to make sure we uh we continue to uh talk about what we're doing a little bit about our schedule mm-hmm. um for those of you who are listening live uh this will be relevant to you for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast not so relevant but uh <laughs> you'll be able to get it uh today is uh the 21st so the uh, 28th, we will not, which is next Saturday, the 28th of August, we will not be recording a Twitch because uh, I'm going to be uh, working on a uh, short, uh, a proof of concept short that I'm doing. And Dan Thrawn is going to help me. So uh, unless it's just Eric talking about stuff, uh, I don't think we're going to do a podcast. But I would uh, listen to that podcast. But yes. I would listen to that podcast, but I will be shooting that day, unfortunately. So I don't want Eric to do it and have to miss out on it. But then on September 4th, which is the following Saturday, we will be recording a podcast then. And uh, what I'm hoping to do then is to um uh we are going to try to do it on time travel <laughs> another yeah, time travel film. A, a, a very very uh a, an unusually long-running series for us it's yes wild how many time travel films so it's are. another one of our time travels like and we decided i something i've wanted to do for a long time it's going to be looper 12 monkeys and la Jete, which are basically all three similar type movies and what, what's I, what's particularly <laughs> great about that is that uh la Jete is remade uh, essentially, as uh, uh, 12, monkeys. Monkeys. 12 Monkeys. Well, Monkeys even says it's based on La Jetée. La, La Jetée, right? Mm-hmm. 12 Monkeys stars Bruce Willis. 
Yes. And Looper stars Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Yes. <laughs> That's a nice little linkage there. I like that quite a bit. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So uh, I think this will be good. You can see La Jete on Criterion Channel right now. You and can, I yes. It's on Criterion. I recommend people watch La Jete. And it's actually only 30 minutes or less than 30 yeah. minutes. What uh, a picture. What a picture. What a picture. Hey, picture. Yeah. Victoria. Yeah. It's Victoria. Victoria. No. Oh yeah, and uh, Jay, you you watched uh, <laughs> you watched get oh no get Carter you watched get, get Carter. Carter part of it yeah. No, good Friday, did you like yeah. get Carter? Crime. Yeah, yeah. Did uh, yeah, Jay? Did you like get Carter or did you uh, did you? Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on that one. Yeah, feel like, please feel free to. Uh, and then the other thing uh, I want to make sure that people you know know obviously about our website. We mentioned all the great merch you can get on our website, but also it's a good place to get information because we'll give you some schedule information and schedule updates on the website. So that's also a good place to go for that. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, check out the gallery that um, uh, that's up there as well. Uh, and then, oh, for those of you who are uh, on Twitch, uh, Jay joined uh, and is part of it, which is great, and has actually subscribed to us, um, which we really appreciate because subscriptions help um, help us continue to do podcasts uh, with you guys. Uh, it helps pay for the podcast. So I really appreciate the subscription. And if you guys do subscribe to us on Twitch, we will go ahead and we will send you a sketch that was been drawn by Eric. It's sort of a live present from from uh, from the show. Uh, so we'd be happy to do that. Just make sure and email us podcast at martinigiant.com and give us your mailing address so we can ship it to you. Jay, did you make sure you do that? Okay. So uh, I oh uh, I don't know if I got it on. I I'm, I don't see it on our email, but make sure you email us. Okay. Um, and then finally, what else was there to say? I think there's some other logistics stuff. I think that's about it. Oh, also, if you if you happen to be on Prime, uh, I believe you can give out one uh, one subscription from uh, from Prime uh, for free. So that would be also uh, yeah, right something on. to do. Absolutely. Uh, and we, I know we've taken a couple of breaks and I'm sorry. It's just that we've been super slammed on Saturdays a little bit. I'm trying to make sure we can do it, but we will, we will continue to, uh, find ways to, to show you guys some cool stuff. Uh, and, um, we will do watch parties as well. So if you guys have ideas for watch parties, uh, let us know. We would love to, to do that as well. And, uh, uh I don't know if you said we can, you can hit us up, uh, uh, at, uh, at Martini, at Martini John on Twitter at martini underscore giants on Instagram and the aforementioned uh, podcast at martinigiant.com. That's an email. Now, Twitter seems to be the bigger one that we're doing, but yeah. I definitely recommend subscribing also to our uh, to our Instagram because uh, you see a lot of the great images that Eric's Yeah, doing. Eric's art is fantastic. I, yeah. would, I, I would post uh, more of my daily film experience on Instagram. However, my daily film experience is at my desk, then that's it. <laughs> That's okay. all I see all day. Sometimes kittens. Maybe I'll Instagram some kittens for us. Yeah, my Instagram is mostly pictures of uh, flies that have fly touched. fishing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like you, you would get uh, Instagram shots of uh, uh, my dusty glasses case and my martini giant mug over yeah. and over again forever. I think I'm going to start. I've, I started. Uh, I ordered a batch of material. I'm going to start getting into making uh, carp flies, which is going to be different. Carp flies. Flies Why? to well, uh, carp, um, which you know are a big goofy fish that lives in rivers and ponds all over the place, mm. uh, are very hard. They're very, they're actually very, very smart fish, um, and they're very hard to catch. 
because they're smart and they spook easily. Unlike bass that are just ferocious, right? right. Uh, and but if you do catch a carp, uh, they will put up a fight that's going to challenge you. No kidding. Uh, yeah. So uh, they're very excited, and you don't really eat carp, but uh, but it's it's sort of catch release. And one of the places in Los Angeles that's become popular now, people it used to be a big secret, and now everyone's figured it out. Someone's fucking Instagrammed it. Yep. <laughs> is uh, they did exactly that. Uh, is uh, carp fishing in the L.A. River? Fly fishing for carp in the L.A. River? Oh man! Oh. Amongst huh. the shopping carts and the syringes and stuff I like that. I would not want to eat fish from the LA. You're not eating the fish. Okay, You're this catching is just them. for the challenge. Okay. Just yes. Challenge. Trying to catch a carp in the LA River because some of those carps get up to 15, 16 pounds. Big and fish. yeah, big fish, very hard to catch. And fly fishing the LA River seems weird, but it's been done. Just look up fly fishing LA River and you'll see exactly what's going yeah, on. Yeah, because I mean, you might catch carp or you may catch diphtheria, whatever you'd like. Yeah, you know, definitely wear <laughs> waders and hose them off when you get back. Oh my God, just bleach yourself. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is that is some rugged, rugged business. Like, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's the famous story from uh, the production of uh, Tarkovsky's incredible movie uh stalker that when he shot stalker he shot at this chemical broken down chemical plant and then very shortly after that everybody in the crew including him died because of chemical oh thing. and oh. i wonder why that oh, is i remember not, i wonder why that's not true for the people that shoot so many scenes in the la river and aqueducts like i i swear to god <laughs> like the, the entire cast and crew of them well it's first of all <laughs> it's actually not as there's been a lot of studies on this specifically because of people that are going down there and fishing. It's not as dirty as you think it is. I think it's pretty dirty. It's, it's <laughs> I didn't know that about Tarkovsky. Yeah, yeah. It was it was it was many years, but like so many people got cancer after that. They're probably like, eh, it's the fucking I put a link in, in the in the chat. Uh, it's an article in the LA Times calling fly fishing for sewer salmon in the LA River. <laughs> <laughs> Sewer salmon sounds like a metaphor. It sounds that's like a that's the that's the the but you can see some of the pictures of people fishing in the in the LA River. Sewer sewer salmon. salmon. I like just, just yeah. check out that link and you'll see right. the pictures of people in the in there. And then some guys actually ate it, which is ridiculous. He should not have been doing that. But anyway, I'm not gonna. No, I I, I I'm afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm afraid of that. Blankly. Yeah, but anyway, I'm going to start making some carp flies, which is different. It's very unusual. That's excellent. Uh, and uh, and Eric, are you doing anything special? Do you have any special recommendations this week? This week, uh, I'm going to finish a couple of books. I've got stuff, you know, personal project, and then I am uh, working on that. I'm doing more drawings and writing, and then I'm going to put some new stuff out for the show. And then I get a day job, which is nice. you know fills me up, but it's nice and. Uh, I I heard something very disturbing because you're 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 not far from the Orlando area. Is that correct? Yes. You got a hurricane. What's going? the story I heard today about the water treatment plants around there are kind of they they have to they use uh, water they use uh, oxygen to treat the water and they have to divert the oxygen to the hospitals because of the amount of people that have COVID. Yeah, a lot of kids. I'm in Orlando. Right. Oh, so so, so they had, they're asking people to conserve water and, because they can't treat the water anymore. Yes. Because they need the oxygen to save kids in the hospitals. Kids are in hospitals, yeah, from the new Delta Gen and whatever. Right. And then yep. the governor is still insisting that no one wear masks at schools. 
He sounds like a bad governor. Uh, yeah, you know what? We were supposed to have a party to some people we've met here and their families tomorrow night, but they canceled because their kid has uh, COVID. Yeah, yeah there's a case. In the How old is their before. kid? 11. Is it sick enough to go to the hospital or just? I didn't ask Leo. I mean, I just was like, oh, okay. And I'm going to sit. I'll call you Monday to check in. Yeah. My, my shark trip got canceled because of that. My so. sister got it. Yeah. It's, and her kids got it. One of her kids is diabetic. It's crazy. Yeah. It's nonstop. For everyone out there, I'm vaccinated. I know you've heard it, but get so vaccinated. Yeah, I'm vaccinated too. And the thing is, the yeah, but the guy, for example, you have to be cautious, right? So my the fishing guide I was going to go shark fishing with, he's vaccinated, but he got exposed to someone who had COVID, right? And the guy was the guy. Thankfully, told him is like, I have COVID. You were exposed to me because you were with me like whatever days. Right. So it's crap. He says like, I'm vaccinated. I feel a little under the weather, but maybe it's just me projecting on something. But we had to cancel our trip because he took the test. But you don't, you have to wait, you know, to get the real test, you have to wait a few days. So right. he wasn't going to get the results until after we were finished with the our trip. So we just basically canceled the trip, even though he's everyone is vaccinated. But we just don't want to take the risk of a breakthrough case, you know. Yep. Do you know how my sister and her entire all her kids, one who you know, one who is diabetic, got mm -hmm. it? Oh. They were having work done on her bathroom remodeled and the construction crew guy. Ugh, man, it's like, had, Oh yeah. By the way, I can't come Wednesday because I have COVID. Thanks man. Appreciate <clears> that. Good times. Good times yeah. Now. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, I try I mean? not to get like, mad about things. Yeah. I get mad when I hear the stories of the people that have basically refused to get vaccinated and then they get to the hospital and they say, please vaccinate me. It's like, it's too late. You, you have COVID. You have yeah, to do my it. My producing partner will refuse to. I don't think that's a good choice. Yeah, that's my that's my opinion. I, you can't. <laughs> are you going to force him? I mean, I don't know. Well, no. I think it's like the here's here's the overall on that one. Like we had um, we had a, a major smallpox breakout uh, early in the century, and in order to contain it because it will kill everybody, the uh, cops went door to door with shotguns and people with knives and. Uh, canisters of uh uh what do you call it cow um pus to slice open the arms and put the cow pus in so they would be vaccinated and that's why really? nobody died of smallpox so cow pus, cow pus yeah that's how they used to do vaccinate Va yeah, vaccinations right. used to be we cut your arm open open the wound and put cow pus in there and it works 50 of the 50 percent of the time uh, and they had to go door to door and hold people at gunpoint to do it because otherwise smallpox would have killed everybody. Let's not get to that point and right. get vaccinated because the problem just to finally advertise it is the reason why you need to get vaccinated is because I know I'm vaccinated, so I'm relatively safe, but because you're not vaccinated and you get it, that creates the possibility of something that can break through our vaccinations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's mutation. Why we do it. There's a mutation. So please do it. Yep. That's how it works. That's how we know it works. Yes, and because the vaccine itself it. is it also stops. fighting to survive. And the best way it can fight to survive is to mutate and break the yes. virus, the, the vaccine. Because That's it can, right. it, like, because like we eradicated things like polio and eradicated things like smallpox. Um, and the reason why we had to do incredibly harsh things like the gunpoint business is because those, those diseases are real killers and if yeah. we let this evolve into something like that 
then it's going to turn into a situation like that, which you definitely don't want. If you're upset about wearing a mask, where do they show up with guns? Because that's yeah. really intense. So let's not get there. <laughs> like, that's just how it goes. It will get to that point if they, if it develops into a disease that's bad enough. So let's do the other thing and not have to take away people's comfort and freedoms that's to protect millions. So we all do that as a group, but yep. it's hard to persuade people, yep. folks. So it's, it's, uh, I don't get it, but. I understand. Hey, man, I'm, I'm sympathetic to, I try to remain non-angry and sympathetic to people that are afraid of getting injected by hastily put together shit. I understand that fear, but I think you gotta have a come to Jesus moment about this stuff. Yeah. Help people out. Jack Carter says, get vaccinated or else. That's what Jay put in the chat. Yeah, so thank you, Jay. That's what it turns into, man. All right. Uh, thank guys, you guys I so much. I thought that was a very good podcast. That was extremely fun, man. I really loved it. I'm really glad that you liked that movie, Dan, and that you I saw all it. those wonderful things. I urge you to, whenever you're feeling down, just watch that movie. That's a good no, no, no. We've talked about this. When you feel down, buy a mug. Yes, buy that's a mug. Right. That's right. It worked for me. Oh, just saying. Or a bath mat. Every or a bath I haven't mat. gotten so much use. Take out of a shower. Yep. Wait take a time. shower, clean your body, and use a brand new bath mat. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was totally awesome, and it reinvigorated my art. And film guys, I don't great. want to project my personal life, but Wednesday, my little nugget gets surgery. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh no. Okay. No, man. Big, big warm wishes to that dude. All right. Absolutely. Shashu is 17 years old. Look at him. The little dude. He's 17. That is a hell of a dog, my friend. He gets surgery, him. so let's all yeah. get it taken care of, Shashu. He used to hang out with us while we were doing stuff. See the tumor on his face? Yeah, yeah. A little on the left side. On the lip, yeah. yeah. He's going to be 18 in two months. Jesus Christ. Right on, man. We should yeah. all live so long. Nicely done. I know. He's a sweet piece. So we're all nervous for this guy. I know you guys have known him over the years. Yes, he's, he's, a, he's a sweetie. Time. We're pulling for him, and I know yeah, he is the most day. chill Chihuahua I've ever met, and that seems like an oxymoron, but it's not. <laughs> I know it should explode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> chill Chihuahua, impossible. Uh, a dude. Yeah. Yep. You see, Hold he's on. you see how that lost itself? No, it's yeah, it didn't focus somehow. You guys have to go in. See, like that. Wow, I feel like I'm watching a Zack Snyder film. That's pretty good. Hold on. <laughs> Almost. Oh, now it's back. Nope. No. No. No, it's just there's you're there. It's actually right up on the lens. The uh, the minimum safe is like a millimeter and a half. Wow. Hi. Bingo. Hi. Why we should podcast <laughs> like that? I, I did this in a Zoom meeting for work. I was like, what? And then I it looks like you're gonna come out of the computer at me. That's very frightening. I feel like that's a train train coming at your moment. There's the, there's a new. Oh, there it goes. It, it just focused on you. Yeah. So we'll just do my hand. Okay. I love it. All right. Are you guys ready to do this? Yes. We're ready to do it, baby. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. All right. Good night, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.